Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Once again, to the Voice Wrestling Podcast, I'm Rich Craig alongside, as always, Mr. Joe Lands. And Joe, we are uh, lots of topics going on today. Before we do that, a few things, a few little housekeeping things. Obviously, VoicesWrestling.com have a ton of great content coming up. A lot of really, it's, it's going to be a busy sort of month. This is kind of a lull, uh, this post-G1 lull that we sort of get into. But we're, we're going to combat it with a bunch of stuff. We're going to do Hall of Fame, um, just a, a mega Hall of Fame coverage. Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. What, what, maybe a little sampling of what we sort of have planned for people without sort of giving up too much or giving away too much. Well, we're going to do a series of podcasts, that's for sure. Uh, we're still working on what the formats are going to be and whatnot, but we're going to try to get on as many voters as we can and try to do Hall of Fame-specific podcasts to sort of talk about the ballot, who the voters are voting for and why, who they're not voting for and why. And uh, and, and hopefully we can hit off on, on most, if not all, of the regions uh, mm-hmm. that way. We've also got Dylan Hales, who's going to uh, who's planning on doing a series of Hall of Fame articles. And anybody who knows anything about Dylan knows that he really loves to dig deep when it comes, yeah, you might want to take the day off <laughs> when a new one of those comes out. Cause, uh, yeah, when it comes to Hall of Fame stuff, he does a ton of research. And he's very passionate about the topic, so he's going to be doing a series of articles. And uh, we've got some other tricks up our sleeve with uh, some of the other contributors that you know we're not going to divulge yet, since we're still just kicking the ideas around. And I don't want to, mm-hmm. you know, commit anybody to something that they that they haven't uh, committed to do themselves yet. But there's a lot planned. We're going to uh, try to be the place to come for. Uh, Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame coverage. So uh, that's the plan. 
Absolutely. Yeah, a bunch of other good stuff going on, on the website right now. So check it out, voicesofwrestling.com. Also, uh, help us out a little bit by subscribing uh, via iTunes. You can search for us, Voices of Wrestling, and then subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. So it helps us, and more people can listen and join along in our little community. And also, you can join that community on Twitter. We have a very active conversation pretty much at all times of the day. One of us is, is on and tweeting. So you can follow us at Voices Wrestling. So, Joe, let's get to it right now. we got a ton of topics. Where do we start off? Because we obviously we missed last week's show, so we have tons of stuff. We have not talked SummerSlam yet. We have a an exciting and one exciting and one boring edition of Raw. We have DDT at a pay-per-view, Dragon Gate pay-per-view, Night of Champions is coming up. Where, where do we begin? Do we start stateside? Well, we kind of, we, we missed like a, it was a terrible week not to do a show. Because yeah, no, it was the worst week ever, and and we we, we really do apologize for that. We, we there was a lot of things that happened. I actually had my uh, my grandmother's funeral uh, to go to on th- uh, Friday, and that, that was into Thursday, so that sort of exacerbated stuff. And then obviously you were sort of busy and on the road and traveling and and giving me like minute by minute updates of you on the road and that sort of stuff. So it just it, it just didn't work out. But no, it would have been the best week to have a show, and we unfortunately missed it. So yeah, I mean there were four major shows last Sunday. Uh, so I mean there was a ton going on, but I mean it's it's a little too late to be breaking down these shows and, and, and talking about a match by match because it's all old news by now. And anybody who wanted to hear, read, see uh, any sort of review uh, for any of those four big shows has done so by now. So I think maybe the best way to approach this is just to tackle each one of these promotions and just sort of give a broader overview of what went down and, uh, and, and, and what's coming up. So I think uh, th- there's no way that we cannot, li- cannot not lead with WWE and Brock Lesnar and John Cena and all that stuff. So why don't we just jump yeah. right into that? Yeah, let's do that. So obviously, uh, as, as Joe mentioned, we don't. We, there's no need for us to break down every little match in SummerSlam, what we thought of each match. But the big story, obviously, is Brock Lesnar and the match at SummerSlam that, that – Got, it, it was a very polarizing match in a lot of ways. I reviewed it quite highly. I gave it five stars, and, and we, we can get to that in a little bit. There were some people that hated it. We had comments on our website of people saying, well, this is the, one of the worst main events I've ever seen, or this was, you know, I would have asked for a refund, or I'm not subscribing to the network after this. Like, these are legit things that people were saying after this, which I found dumb on it because obviously I loved it, given my stars rating. Um, very interesting match, though, because it was so unique and so different than what WWE usually does. And we're going to get into, <laughs> into Raw, where they sort of went right back into their little hole. But this, let's let's focus on this right now. I mean, this was so unique and so different, and just it just had a different feel than every other WWE main event that we've ever seen. What, what were your thoughts on it? Obviously, most people have probably seen the match, but it was a complete beatdown. Brock Lesnar, Cena had maybe eight seconds of total offense. Lesnar basically played with him the entire match. And, and, and I'll get into a little bit more of the intricacies there, but you, you sort of know the styling of the match. What did you think of it overall? Because I, I, I reviewed it for the website. I know you did not. What, what, for people that don't know, what were your thoughts on it? I thought it was great. I thought it was exactly the way Brock Lesnar should have been booked from the start. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all know that there's, re- you know, in the beginning, there was a, little, a lot of distrust with Lesnar. So, you know, they had Cena win the first match and then he split matches with Triple H, which was completely asinine. And I mean, he just he should have been booked like this from the start. You saw the buzz that it caused. Um, and, 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 you know, now moving forward, there's a lot of interest in his and in, in who he's going to defend the title against. Uh, I, I like the match. I liked it because it was different. I, I like the idea of an extended squash, especially since it was so unexpected since it came against Cena. I wasn't as high on it as you were or some of the other reviewers were. I, I think I gave it four and a quarter, which still, that's a tremendous rating. Uh, you know, I, I thought it was a great match that told a, a, a great story, and it was exactly what they should have done with Brock from the beginning. Um, I really don't understand the people uh, who were vehemently upset with the match. Now, you know, you know, at what point 
do you get tired of the same old shit? This was something different and, mm-hmm. and unique. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's not like it was a 30-second squash. It's not like you didn't get your money's worth. It's not like the rest of the show wasn't great. So what's the complaint? You know, I could look, I can understand if you didn't think it was a great match, but to complain and say that you felt ripped off or, or, or that the match was a, you know, complete shit. And that, you know, isn't that, that I don't understand. You know, I like when thing, you know, I don't like getting fed the same shit constantly right, over exactly. and over and over. And this was, this was different. It, it, it was radically different. And I think that's, that, that scares a lot of people. And we, we sort of tackle this all the time on this podcast. We talk about it a lot of, of people sort of, and especially if you've grown up in, in, in WWE and you've grown up in WWE in the most recent, you know, 15, 10, 10 to 15 years, that sort of stuff. You sort of, you only know one way. There's a lot of people that already sort of assume that, and we talk about it all the time when we talk about it, like Kevin Steen and Davey Richards and those sort of guys where, oh, well, Kevin Steen's fat. He can't be a WWE superstar because he's fat. Or Davey Richards, he's too short. You have to be tall and you have to be, you know, you have to have a six pack. And we sort of, people get inundated with the WWE booking as well. And we, we, we see this, you know, all up and down the card and we'll talk about it a little bit more on raw as well, where people say, well, you know, you know, Jack Swerk should lose or should win sometimes and Rusev should lose sometimes. And, and why don't they trade wins and do this? And, and, and people sort of think that these main events are supposed to be 20 minutes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, baby face, wins kicking out of finishers the whole yeah i mean that's sort of what we've and that's i don't blame people for thinking that's what it sort of is supposed to be because that's all we've really been given for a long time in mainstream american wrestling but you know what no this is this was a wake-up call for a lot of stuff of going no 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 no. this is completely different this is unlike anything we've ever done before and i thought it was super effective because as you said let's look at the buzz of it look at what people people were legitimately interested in we're going to see that SummerSlam number and we'll see the night of champions number and that sort of stuff with, with regards to the wwe network but I thought just using the, you know, the Voice of Wrestling buzzle meter, I mean, people were going, it was until 1 or 2 a.m. that night that people were talking about it and raving about it and discussing and arguing and that sort of stuff. And that's, to me, I love that. That's great. Brock, that's something hey. that sorely lacks because a lot of times these things are over. You turn it off. We do our review. People go, oh, yeah, blah, 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 and then it's just done. And then nobody cares about it again. I mean, could you honestly tell me what, what like, back going back to Battleground, like, what the hell? Even, I, I couldn't even tell you what happened at Battleground. Elimination Chamber. What would, like, you know what I mean? Where these things are over, and now I don't even, I can't even recall, like, specific matches from these big events, whereas this one is going to be in my mind for a long time just because it was so much different. Yeah, and I mean, I, I don't think Brock Lesnar has ever looked stronger. And, and that's exactly how you, uh, how you want your, your, your big monstrous uh, heel champion to look. I mean, this is, this is exactly how you want to play it. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then they flushed it all down the toilet by going right back <laughs> to the rematch this month. But I will say this: the fact that they're going right back to that match, and we'll get to Raw in a second. You know, it really. I'm, I'm not. I'm not happy that they're going right back to the match. But at the same time, it might be the best hand for them to play because they've done such a poor job getting other people prepared to move into that spot. Sure. I mean, because if it's not Cena, now I, I, there, there are options I personally would have went with ahead of Cena. I would have. Yeah. Let's get into that. Let's talk a little bit about sure. that. I, I, there, I can think of three people that I would have fed the Lesnar and I would have had him beat in the similar fashion that he beat Cena at SummerSlam. And those three people are Sheamus, who, if you recall, didn't even have a match at SummerSlam, had no active program going on at the moment. And did not have a program going until the next night at, I believe, the main event tapings when he, they started something with Cesaro, correct? Yeah, right. He would have been perfect. There's a baby face. He's the United States champion. And, you know, I had a lot of people saying, oh, but you can't do that. He's the, yeah, he's, I was going to say again. He's I was the gonna... United States champion. Why not? Why can't you do that? And that's, that's – I think that that. that's – 
th- that's really telling. That's why I wanted you to kind of do this now is because, again, this is another thing of, well, that guy's not ready or, you know, he hasn't been in a, you know, no, he, he's this, he's that, he's that, he's that. You book this shit. It's fake wrestling. Like, do whatever the yeah, hell you the want, fact right? That he's United States champion is a plus because that, that yeah. makes it a more impressive win for Brock when he squashes him. Because then you yeah. can push the idea of, all right, here's this guy, Sheamus. He's a big, tough guy, and he's the United States champion. And Brock went through him like a hot knife through butter. So to me, that's a positive. So here, that's one guy. The other two are two guys who both have built-in programs of Brock Lesnar because the last that we saw his interaction, interactions with them was him destroying these guys. And that's The Big Show and Mark Henry. And again, coming out of SummerSlam, two guys with absolutely no program, absolutely no direction. Things have changed since then. But coming off a of SummerSlam, neither one of them had a program or a direction. You could have easily slotted one of them into that spot uh, for this placeholder sort of title defense. And Brock could have squashed one of those guys. And again, that looks impressive because they've both been gone for a little while. Uh, the, the, the last time that he destroyed those guys, it was so long ago. You know what I mean? It's far enough in, it, it, that, that it could be considered ancient history at this point, especially – the way the WWE timeline, because time moves, you know, 10 times as fast in the mm-hmm. WWE universe as it does in, in real time. And those are two other guys that could have been fed to him. But with all that said, I can't really kill him for going back to Cena. They've got network subscriptions to sell. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's, you know, the number one priority right now coming off that dreadful number at the last call. And uh, I'm not sure if throwing, you know, a placeholder title defense is the right thing to do right now. I think long-term it would have been the right thing to do because obviously a longer and stronger build to this rematch or the third match, whatever you want to call it would have been the prudent thing to do. Absolutely. But they're in panic mode right now. So they went right back to it. Um, I'm not happy about it. I know that you're not happy about it and you're going to have some things to say about it, but um, you know, I wouldn't have done it, but I can see where they're coming from and I can't really kill them for doing it. Sure. I'm in the same boat as well. It's that, you know, when the initial news came out, we, you, you know, you and I were very big about, oh, this is stupid, or it's done, you know, building them up, you know, and, and I think we both had pretty solid ideas regards with Cena, and it's something that they probably would never do, but again, sometimes you got to go do something you've never done, is that have Cena build himself back up a little bit, where, because people invest in that, people absolutely invest in Cena saying, okay, look, you know, I, 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 I stared at, at the beast, and, and I lost, and he killed me, and he destroyed me, like, I've never been done before, you know, I need to go away for a little bit, and, and, and refocus, and then when he comes back, like, his we mentioned it's not that hard to have him do again it's, it's wrestling you can book this you can do whatever you want with it have him come back and have him sort of face some cupcake guys john cena have him just sort of work his way back up to get his confidence back and that sort of stuff i don't think people are going to immediately throw away all their cena merchandise or not buy cena merchandise because he's he has to win to, to get back to the level he was before i don't think there's anything wrong with that i, I think it shows that there's consequences to wins and losses which and again, people will and that's another thing that people will immediately say well wins and losses don't matter no they you can make them matter I mean, you booked this stuff. You can make it absolutely matter. And we saw when Brock Lesnar won that, it, it, it mattered because he beat John Cena. That's a big deal if somebody can do that cleanly. So you have John Cena work his way back up, work his way back up, because people will get invested in that. Then there's some, you know, there's, there's a the frothing at the mouth. There's ready, okay, we want to see this guy. We want to see what he can do against Lesnar again. We want to see that rematch. Whereas now we're just sort of getting it again, which I, I'm not going to complain because I think it's going to be a good match. I think it's going to be great. I, I I think it's going to be booked a lot differently than SummerSlam. I think it's going to be a back and forth sort of match, and I think it's still early. But you know what? I, I get why they do it. But yeah, it, it's. I think they just could have. They could have told a really really cool story with Cena kind of working his way back up, and I think it's something that would have been healthy for Cena and healthy for the crowd and that sort of stuff. But mm, we're right kind of back to square one with, with with Cena, which is 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 discouraging, but 
you're kind of used to it at this point. Like you say, you can't get too mad about WWE sometimes because you're just going to hurt you. I mean, it's just you're insane if you do it because it's just what they do. I mean, that's you, you know this is you know this is coming. So this was, just whatever. Listen, this was absolutely the best short-term decision, but it was a horrendous long-term decision. Yeah. You really could have milked this thing. And, uh, you know, you, you, there's a million scenarios you could have done. You could have had Brock kill time with some of these other guys in between. And then, uh, you know, you could have had maybe a couple months down the line, if as long as he was kept strong. You could have had Cena go through Rusev first uh, to sort of prepare himself for Brock since, you know, they're both similar in style or whatnot. And, you know, Rusev's this big monster who hasn't lost to give Cena a little more credibility going into the rematch. You know what I mean? If he, hand, if yeah. he hands Rusev his first loss or something like that. And that would have been an effective way to handle Rusev's first defeat, which I'm, I, I'm, I know they're going to blow that. They've done a great, sure. they've done a great job so far. But let's face it, this company is going to blow that. They're, yeah, it's going to be on like SmackDown. It's going to be on like a, a random Raw like second hour. I don't know what they're going to do, but they're going to blow it. Okay, yeah. Because whoever beats Rusev, it needs to be special and it needs to uh, serve a purpose. It needs to accomplish something. And I know they're going to blow it. They've, 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 they've handled Rusev too perfectly for them not to blow the conclusion of this story. I, I have no confidence in them uh, making sure that the two people, one person really now, I mean, Roman Reigns needs to be the one to beat Rusev, period. Yeah. That's it. That needs to be the guy who beats him or Cena. I, I would accept, but at this point you at can't really see, do Cena because would be done. Right, yeah. I would have done. Now, now you're feeding him. Now he just, now he just becomes another just nothing on the path of getting back to Lesnar versus being that, that next like triumphant. Sure. So, yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's like a it's short term. I don't want to say it's penny smart dollar dumb. It's, that's not really a good analogy to use, but it's, it was, it's probably the right short term decision, horrible long-term decision. You could have milked it. You could have done this match down the line at some point. And I'll tell you what, um, if Cena wins this match, that's an absolute disaster. That's, that would not be a good idea. <laughs> it's just an absolute In fact, I think that uh, Brock not only needs to win the match, but he needs to be almost as dominant. You know, I could. I can't imagine. I could ex- listen. I I can't imagine him doing it. But if you put Joe Lanza in charge, which if you want to make some money, you put Joe Lanza. In charge. <laughs> you give him the pencil. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you know, I I would I would structure it in such a way where Cena puts up a much better fight this time, but Brock is never truly in danger. Sure, and and then Brock, uh, you know, eventually wins it clean in the middle again, and, uh, and that's what I love about the summer. Yeah, exactly, because you know you're not going to hurt Cena at this point. You're not. Right. And he's, he's like Shawn, he's like Shawn Michaels was. Yep. You're not going to hurt him. So you know, yeah, Shawn Michaels spent the last three years just getting his ass kicked, you know, and, and nobody cares. Yeah, and sometimes these guys reach a point where you can beat them and beat them and beat them, and it doesn't matter. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later when we talk about Dragon Gate because there's sort of a theme there with one of their guys where that's going on now as well. But I mean, you know, it's it, it's not going to hurt Cena to lose again, you know, and 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 it's time for him to sort of transition into that, you know, legend role anyway, mm-hmm. you know, to slowly transition into that. Uh, which again, there's a really good Dragon Gate comparison that we can make later when it comes to Shima sort of doing the same thing. So it, it wouldn't hurt him to lose again if he wins, and I could. You know, it wouldn't shock me if he won. I mean, I, no, I mean, I wouldn't put money on it. Yeah, I think that they're going to be smart enough to have Brock win this thing. Brock needs to go into WrestleMania as champion now. Sure, he just has to. I mean, but that—that's—you never know with this company. So, so who knows? But uh, I don't know. You have any more thoughts on this, or? Yeah, I mean, just sort of the the, the Lesnar. 
I'm trying to think of the right. He's they they got something nice with him right now. They have something special with him, and I really like this idea of. I think it's a nice it, uh, again sort of breaking the patterns of WWE is that what we saw on Monday uh, or, or last night on Raw is you had him do that pre-tape, and it was just Lesnar in the back. You have a chance for, to cut out you know any little thing he says that's not really good, and you just get a chance to cut the good stuff air this promo and that's it that's your champion he's special and and i think larry and i both put it in the SummerSlam review that it's a nice little change in the guard that you know what hey you want to see the champion by the network absolutely you know this champion will yep. only appear on the network i don't think he should ever be on raw ever again i think he is look you're gonna get pre-tapes of him he'll be backstage with paul Heyman. you want to see this guy you want to see him defend the title you want to see the title by the network he's, he's, that's where the guy he, is and he could say that too him and paul Heyman could sit there and say you know what no we're too good to be on you know yep. we're, we're only on the wwe network you know we're only on we're a special attraction that you need to pay to see you know we're not just going to be on free tv i think that's perfectly okay for them to say that he's the heel for god's sakes just do it uh, he, he's hulk hogan in 1987 Sure. You, know, you, you weren't getting Hulk Hogan title defenses on yeah, you, wanna, you, you buy some tickets, you go live, you pay to see this guy. You pay to see. And that's that's a real thing that they need to sort of get back to a little bit. And I thought it was Sunday was a good step in that direction that, look, pay and you'll get special stuff. Raws are going to be what they are. But if you want to see the, the top stuff, the biggest things, da, 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 all this sort of stuff, you're going to have to pay for it. And that's I think that's a good move. And I think it's a definitely the thing that the way this should be going because there's a whole different era now with this network. Yeah. So but, I, I'm totally for it. And that, at the so. same time, it makes your title important again. Sure. Um, you know, not that their title was completely – it's been way – it's been devalued much worse at different periods of time than it, than it, than it has been now, I think. Uh, they've done a decent job uh, rebuilding that title. But this, again, reinforces that and makes the title even more important than it was uh, previously if, if you could only see it on the network and you're only going to see those title defenses on the network. And I completely mm -hmm. agree with you and Larry. I mean, that's completely the way to go. It's just yeah. like Hulk Hogan in the 80s. You know, he'll, you'll, you'll get his pre-taped interviews. You know, he, he might show up on a Raw now and then, just like Hogan occasionally would show up on a Piper's Pit or a, or a, or a uh, you know, with Brother Love or whatever. You might. Yeah, maybe a Saturday's Night Main Event. Sure. Or... You know, it, it's, it's, but you're not going to get those, you know, you want to see the title defended, cough up the money. And, and, yep. and, 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 and it also makes the title feels, especially when it's on somebody who's so credible. So, uh, again, I would not. I would not lay out a back and forth, Matt. I would have Cena come a little bit closer this time, but never really have Brock in a, truly in danger of losing the match. I wouldn't do like you talked about earlier, uh, your traditional WWE 20 minutes back and forth, kicking out of each other's yeah. finishers. I wouldn't do it that way. And look, if they do, it's not going to be end of the world. I wouldn't structure that way, though. I, I keep these Brock matches special, unique and different mm -hmm. because, again, you know, that's what's going to help them with this network thing. You know, they've tried to do the network their own old school stubborn way, and it hasn't worked. They've, we, we've been saying it for months. They have to think outside the box, and now they're, you know, this is thinking outside the box. You have a champion who has these to this totally unique style of match and who looks completely indestructible. Well, you know what? Go keep doing it until the next set of numbers come in. And if Brock hasn't moved the numbers, get him, get him, get him the hell out of there and try somebody else. You know, but I have a feeling that this is something that's finally going to move the numbers to a significant degree. I agree. Uh, I think so. Too. Other than, you know, since WrestleMania, it's going to be the first thing to move these numbers to a significant I, I, that That's my gut. You know, I, I don't have any data or anything to, to support that. I haven't seen anybody, you know, do any estimate. We, 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 you can't do any estimates or break anything down until we see, you know, the SummerSlam pay-per-view numbers or whatnot. And then the Chris Harrington's of the world and the Dave Meltzer's will break that down and be a little harder now, now that the network is worldwide. So, I don't, you know, but those guys will figure out a way to do some sort of estimate. But I, my gut feeling 
is that Brock has moved the needle here only because of how special and unique this was, and I wouldn't blow that. There's a lot of real sports um, coverage as well, which is always something that they desire a lot. And and that's why I think it would be cool because I think you're always going to get that with Lesnar. If he's a special attraction, if his matches feel and look more like a – I don't want to say a sport because well, I don't well, think that well, naturally the, I know was. I the term but... you're looking for is a fight, and that's the term. That they, right, yeah, right. That's yeah, the term guess, that they use. Let's get right to if it. If yeah. you saw the half hour, uh, you saw that half hour SummerSlam preview deal with with Lesnar, Heyman, and yeah, Cena. Twenty four seven. Yeah, right. It, it, that's essentially what it was, and and uh, Heyman and Lesnar kept describing it as a fight. They weren't even describing it as a match or a contest or whatever entertainment word they usually use. I don't even know anymore. They were describing it as a fight. And, you, you know, you have to sell people on the idea that, you know, if you buy the network to see Lesnar defend the title, he's going to be in a fight. That's why I really think it would have worked out so much better to have him in a match this month against a guy like Sheamus, who has that credibility with the fans, too, as someone who will fight. You know, Mark Henry, same thing. He has that credibility with the fans as someone. Who will fight. Yeah, turn it into a mercenary thing where, where you know, even you can even have a, a Triple H or something sort of say, and and this is sort of my idea that I mentioned. I don't know if I mentioned it on Twitter or or uh, you know various discussion forums or whatever is, and this is always an issue I have is people say, well, well, John Cena has a rematch clause or whatever, or they have the rematch clause again. You, you book this shit, so <laughs> stop. It doesn't matter. Like right. you can you can take liberties with whatever stupid rules you make up because you you can. But I always I thought it would be interesting if that you know Triple H said. You know, Brock can defy authority. I think that's perfectly okay. I think that's what that fits in with his character, where they say, "Okay, John Cena has his rematch clause," and Brock Lesnar could say, "No, I don't care. No, I, you know, I, I'm not going to fight this guy. Why should he get another?" Yeah, no, no, he needs to get back in line or whatever. And then you have a mercenary thing where where, where Triple H or somebody or somebody says, "Okay, you know, what? we need to get these tough guys." So you get a Mark Henry or whatever, and the guy, the the world's strongest man, and this guy, you know, we need somebody who can really be as strong as Lesnar, and he destroys him. And then you get all oh, the tallest athlete in the world, the Big Show, and then he destroys him. And then you get Sheamus, the guy that you mentioned, the guy that people assume and, and think is a guy that's you know sort of a, a bare knuckle brawler a guy that can and then you know Brock and he doesn't have to just stop he, he doesn't have to fit into what we just assume the champion sort of fit into that's that's this uniqueness that you have with this guy that's a star from the UFC and star from these other things that you can just bring him in here and you can do so much different things with him you don't have to have him fall into pro wrestling okay 60 day rematch clause there you go you have to defend he can just say you know screw you you know no I don't care I'm not gonna fight and, him and and you know, what are you going to do? What, you're going to make me? I broke your Here's arm. You know, you get... Why the hell is John Cena back on TV already anyway? Shouldn't he be selling this well, meeting? Well, come and on. That, yeah, and that, that, and that leads to... I guess we could transition that into Raw, right. but yeah, that was it's... a horribly booked... Yeah, that... that I have no... I mean, he's back nothing. on TV. You mean, I mean, Without a scar, we... not wrestling any different. Can we sell the beating for 48 hours? Can, can we tape a shoulder? Can we... Can, can... Shit, Dean Ambrose has a tape shoulder from three months ago, and and yet the, the Swagger Rusev match was filled with callbacks to SummerSlam, and then you have this guy who got decimated, destroyed like nobody else before, and it, it's business as usual. And, and then he runs through, you know, your top heel, uh, you know, uh, your wife family like they're nothing. Yeah. And it's just, it, it, it really, this company does such a great job. When they do something right, we talk about it all the time. <laughs> it's so frustrating. When they do something right, it's so right and it's so good because they have the biggest stage. And when they really nail something, it just feels big and it feels awesome. And then they just find a way every fucking time to flush it down the toilet. It, yep. it really is amazing. It's the same. It's getting it's getting quicker and quicker too. Like you had the CM Punk thing where that was like two weeks, and we thought it should be months, and then this thing was like 
four days, and they were no shit. The next day they were already uh, no two days. The main event where they said it was going to be the rematch, and then eight days later he's back on TV and everything's fine and yeah. and good to go. It's just they they accelerated. Well, they, so they announced much. the rematch the next day, didn't they? Yeah, that's what I said. Like two days later, they they, they didn't even they didn't even let that SummerSlam beating fester for forty eight hours. They didn't even let it sit and marinate for forty eight. Hours before they, they have a, a pre-tape on main event to get it right, out to announce that to announce the rematch, <laughs> and then eight days later the guy's back on TV with no. nary a, a wound, a scot, nothing, perfect health, killing the Wyatt family practically yeah. by himself. His neck's okay as well. You can tell. It's, obviously, it's just it's it's it, it, they really are a mystifying sort of. Con- I don't get it. And again. Sure, it's the best thing short term, but it just, oh man, it just, as it, fr- fr- from a perspective of a fan who wants to really get invested in this stuff and suspend your disbelief, it just, it makes you shake your head and throw your hands and go look for something else to watch. I mean, it's just, it, they, they really suck the life out of every good thing they do. Hmm. And that's why, you know, I, this is why I say all the time and people get on me, you know, I'm this anti WWE guy. I'm really not, I just, I, yeah, you just you can't get invested in it. They will burn you every time. If you're the type of person listening to this show, they're gonna burn you every time. You know, if you're a nine-year-old kid who doesn't have a memory that goes, you know, further than two weeks, you'll you probably love it. But they're gonna burn you every time. You know, I I I don't know, but no, yeah, and and, and people that sort of say that because we do get that gripe a lot. I I'll, I'll case in point, look at my SummerSlam review and look at the next day. I was I was gaga over what they were doing. I just thought it was so awesome, so unique. I wrote an article about, you know, this is a way that they can change the whole way they think about stuff. I I, I hearken back to something that you mentioned in your Dragon Gate review that that it's fine to book heels to be strong and it's okay that heels are are, are win and and that sort of stuff. And that hey, this is great. You know, they're finally gonna evolve. Da, 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 and then it's right back to. Whatever, and it, it's it's they're there. They have it, as you said. It it's 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 not us being haters. It's just us being sort of disappointed when it's like you 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 know what to do because they know they they know when things are right. Sometimes they know how to sort of be unique and be different and and, and that sort of stuff. But something just happens, and they just immediately go right back to what they just know. It, it it's all about evolution. That's that's the biggest thing I think you and I sort of our frustration with WWE is that everything is just the same. I mean, I could put on a show from 2005 and there is barely a difference. Looks exactly the same. The same camera format. shots are the same. The ropes look the same. The logo has now changed a little bit slightly. The 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 promos are the same. The backstages are the same. The, a lot of the guys are the same. It's just the booking is idea. It's just that's all we want is just a little bit of evolution from them. And then when they show that, I think it's obvious in our reactions that we're we're oh yeah, this is awesome, this is great, this is good. And then it goes right back. I think. We're, and then that's I, what we get I, mad I, about. That's what we're exactly because it looks like they're going to turn the corner and they don't. And it's like, you know, everyone wants to say, uh, well, you know, Vince is getting up there. He'll be gone eventually. When he's gone, Kevin Dunn will be gone. And those are the two guys. Hey, look, you know, hopefully, but we don't know that. You know, if Vince drops dead tomorrow and, 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 you know, Kevin Dunn is given a different role or, or sent along his merry way, and then we're still seeing these things, then what, you know, because now you're waiting 40 years for Triple H and Stephanie to croak, right. you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, everyone seems to think that Triple H, you know, could be the savior here when he's finally got full control. And, you know, we don't know that, you know, Stephanie's a lot like her father. And, right. and that's who she learned from. I mean, that's, that's yeah. And if she's the one, you know, pulling really is really the one pulling the strings, and you know, it, it's it's it, she's the McMahon. You know, we, we don't know. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, I don't I, I don't know. But overall, I mean, we both love SummerSlam. That's the oh, thing yeah. too. And, and and ironically, I think we liked it more than most people. But then again, right. I called the best SummerSlam I ever. You know and People got, got mad at me. We <laughs> got we got slammed on Twitter for liking this show so much. 
And I kind of thought to myself, wow, you know, maybe we just, you know, like it more than other people. But then you know what? Uh, you know, the Observer came out uh, that Wednesday, and it only got 16 thumbs down votes. The Observer, so it kind of it kind of validated you to an extent. This was this was a good show. And most reasonable people thought it was a really good show. So it turns out that we weren't in the minority in that. Uh, I think that most people did feel this was a really good show. I'm not prepared to say it was the greatest SummerSlam of all time, like you said, because honestly, when it comes to WWE, I don't – I'd have to go back and look at all the shows. There's probably mm-hmm. a couple I didn't even watch. I don't remember – if you ask me, hey, Joe, what was the main event of SummerSlam 2006? There's probably people who can rattle out. I couldn't fucking tell you. I have no fucking clue. I would I would tell you Cena Orton and hope that I'm right because that's usually the main <laughs> event of a WWE paper. I think that was 2008. Yeah, but... I'd have to go back and, and and look at all these individual cards, but I I will say that I uh I did, you know, I liked it better than last year's show, which was a good show, and um you know because immediately a lot of people said, well, it wasn't even better than last year. Well, I could see that people thinking last year was better. I happen to prefer this year's to last year's. 2007 um, was was. Cena Orton, sorry. Uh, there you go. 2008, yeah. was, 2008 was Edge Undertaker, which was awesome, by the way. But, I don't even know if I saw that. The Hell in a Cell, Edge and Undertaker? You know, you know, the problem with WWE shows is either, you know, th- there's definitely a few along the way that I just didn't watch because, you know, whatever. Because um, th- when it comes to WWE, I'm in and out with that company. Mm-hmm. Um, because of this podcast, this is the longest stretch that I have paid intense attention <laughs> to the WWE. You know, since 2011, I've had all eyes on WWE for the, fr- that, that's a three-year stretch. That's the longest I've gone since I was 12 years old because this company loses me and then I just hand wave it. Um, but, but the other thing with WWE pay-per-views is sometimes I don't think that I saw them and then I'll go back in the network to watch them. And then halfway through the show, I'm like, wait a minute. I, I get that, I too. Yeah, I'll, I'll invest like an hour and a half. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like something like one Michael Cole phrase right, will, right. Make, will set me off. And I'm like, ah, fuck, I've seen this. And then one. it all tumbles <laughs> down in my brain. I'm like, wait a minute. I saw this show and then I'm running off the results of the next yeah. three matches. And then I turn it the fuck off and I put world class back on or something because I was like, oh, watch this. I remember not liking it. I remember watching this now. But anyway, so I don't know if it was the best SummerSlam ever. I, I'm not prepared to say that because I, I would have to really take a look at all the cards and think back. But, I, you know, it, it, it probably be top five for me. I thought it was a really awesome show. I thought the Jack Swagger Rusev match was tremendous. Right, and I want to get into him a little bit more as well, and 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 sort of into our our, our discussion of Raw. But yeah, the Jack Swagger Rusev match, I thought, and we loved it more than pretty much everybody in the world for some reason. But I, I thought that was just perfect pro wrestling stereo uh, 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 storytelling. I mean, just nah. You know what, Rich? Again, uh, you know that night, like you said, there was a lot of buzz on the show. I think that was just a small minority of people who didn't like that match. Because you really, okay. well, hopefully, you really look at the big was... picture. You know, most people really like that match. Um, let me put it to you this way: If I really love a match, and Dylan Hales really loves a match, you can bet your ass it was a good match. Okay, we never agree on anything, and he thought it was a good match. Everyone that reviewed it for our review thought it was a really good match. So you know, just you know, I, I, again, I think that was kind of a minority opinion. Um, you know, looking back, but I mean, that was one hell of a Rusev performance in that match. Uh, he, I think, sort of there was something clicked in his head, and that was because I've always, I mean, you, you're, you've obviously been an irrational, I, I won't say an irrational, a very rational Rusev lover for a while, and it's been fun, and there's sort of been some uniqueness about him and that sort of stuff. But I thought that was just a masterful performance by him. I thought that was really the first time that I said, wow, this dude really knows what he's doing in the ring. Like, he gets it. He understands. I mean, that match, the selling that he did, how much he sold, you know, his facials, all this stuff was like, this dude gets it. And let's give Jack Swagger some credit. 
No, he absolutely. Yeah. He's been tremendous in this whole thing as well. He's a guy who I, I listen. I've been on his. I've been on that bandwagon a long time too. When a lot of people haven't been, I like Jack Swagger a lot, and I think he's very underrated. And uh, you know, and and but like you said, this Rusev performance at SummerSlam was a masterful performance. I mean, the way he sold that leg, and then he went for the accolade the first time, and he wouldn't put the weight on the leg. And then when he finally put the accolade on at the finish, okay, he sort of his facial expressions were incredible because. He, he, he realized at that point he had to sink it in all the way. He had to put that other leg down or he knew he wasn't going to be able to beat this guy. So he did. And he just – he exhibited that pain in his face to show you I'm still in immense pain here with this leg, but there's no other way I'm going to beat this guy. Right. Please tap out soon because I can't stand because on this I'm, leg anymore. Right. Was, and, and, and it made you – you sort of had that reaction too. You were, you were waiting for him to collapse or, or swear to get to the ropes or that sort of stuff, which I thought was really, really cool because I, I was that way too. I was like, okay, you know, he, he can't keep this up. He can't get this up. And then he taps or whatever. It's again, it was something that sort well, of didn't ta- you know, broke that monotony. Or- the only thing I didn't like about the match, the only thing I didn't like about the match, I thought it was a great oh match, right, right, never mind, was right, right. fucking JBL and this this commentary. This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> when, this is what I'm talking about when I say WWE commentary hurts every oh. single match. There is a single match that happens in that company that the commentary doesn't hurt, and this was a perfect example because j- fucking JBL nearly ruined the match at the end by saying Jack Swagger is passing out before Jack Swagger even started to pass out. He gave yeah, away he's the, standing there. He, you know, he's, he's sitting he, there writhing in pain. He gave away the finish, right, and yeah. three or four seconds later, he started to pass out. But JBL has to open his stupid fucking mouth, probably at the direction of the goofball old man sitting in the back and gorilla probably telling him to say it because they can't just let things happen in that company. They got to pound you over the fucking head with it. Because you're not going to know that the guy's passed out. They got to pound you over when the head. But he's not moving anymore. Because <laughs> we're all stupid, Rich, and we can't understand what's going on on the screen. So they got to take that fucking subtlety hammer and smash you over the head with it. So JBL's sitting there telling you that, that Jack Swagger's about to pass out. Why the fuck would you say that? <laughs> Why would you say that? Can't you just let it happen? Can you just let it unfold? Why are you talking at all? Do you even need to speak in that moment? Shut your fuck. None of them three should even be talking. Let the moment happen. And then when he passes out, then talk about it. But I guarantee you they're being produced that way. Yeah. I would love to see someone do a study on how much actual, not dead air, but how much silence ever happens between. I don't think it ever happens. I think I think if you counted it up, it was probably it'd probably be a minute total. No, they got to be yapping all the time. An entire three hours of either a paper or I mean, like JBL will will any breath he will get in there and get into whatever he's going to say. Like it, it's it's unbelievable. Not only are they constantly <laughs> yapping, Rich, but they're not saying anything. No, and they're not getting. I mean, you can talk all you want if you're going to do something, but yeah, it's uh, they're not adding a thing to what's going. They're not adding anything. They're hurting it. They never not hurt a match. They're always hurting the match or the show. By telling you things over and over and over and not just letting them happen. It's that thing. You know, I read that quote years ago. It said, the, the way Vince produces his announcers is you have to assume that whoever's watching is watching for the first time. Right. Why? <laughs> Why? If you turn on – if you turn on if, – if, if, you, if you hear all this hype about Breaking Bad or the, yeah, or, or the Sopranos – what are we doing? We are making drugs. We are making meth right now. <laughs> and you turn it on in the sixth episode of season two, okay? If unless you're unless you're slow mentally, you're you're gonna know what's going on after an episode and a half of the show. It's your job to catch up. And people will. People aren't stupid. We'll catch up. 
You don't have to keep explaining things over and over. All that does is ruin it for the people who've been watching for the last 25 fucking years. You're cutting the experience for your core fan base. The other people will catch up. Give people some credit. Let the guy pass out first and then tell us he passed out. And then tell us why he passed out. It drives me nuts. Everything else about that match was perfect. Until JBL opened his stupid mouth. And for the first time in many years, I'm voting for him as worst announcer instead of yes, Jerry Lawler. That was my vote last year. I have year. never not voted for Jerry Lawler because he's a piece of shit. He's terrible. He's been terrible since the second he got behind a microphone. But that's how bad JBL. That's how been. bad JBL Where, has been. Now Law. I don't even notice. I don't even. King it's like Lawler's not even anymore. there anymore. He doesn't even talk. Right. This is the best Lawler's ever been because he doesn't fucking talk. He just goes ah. He just <laughs> every, sits, every fifteen I'm seconds. Watching these yeah. old Attitude Era shows, and God, now I see why I voted for him all those years with his screaming for no reason and his ah. Uh, Jerry Lawler's just the fucking pits, and always has been. But this is the best he thinks. He I barely ever says anything. JBL's worse than him now, and that's unthinkable to me. How can you be worse than Jerry Lawler? <laughs> it's, it's not easy. It takes a lot of work and a lot of effort. Oh, my God. But anyway, you know, then then they have a, you know, a match on Raw and, uh, you know, um, this past Raw, and, and, and the ref stops it. Let me tell you something, and this is something you mentioned before, too. People that were then complaining. Oh, Swagger ever going to win a match here? No, no. Swagger isn't going no. to win a match here. <laughs> he shouldn't. And he shouldn't win a match here. Why do you want the same back and forth booking that we've been seeing for the last 10 years that, that gets nobody over? Jack Swagger is getting over more with these gutsy losses by showing heart and fight in losing to Rusev than he would if they were, having, if they were trading wins. He's getting over better now by losing than if they were trading wins because of the way that he's losing. And people, for some reason, some people don't understand this. And at the same time, you're keeping Rusev strong. But Jack Swagger looks like the toughest man alive because nobody's able to beat this Rusev, but he doesn't give up. He has to either pass out or the ref has to stop it for him to lose these matches or get counted out or whatever. Because Rusev's having a ton of trouble beating this guy, and that's getting Jack Swagger over in the process, too. He doesn't need to win. If he wins, you're hurting Rusev. You don't want to do that right now. You, But Joe, but Joe, babyface, they have to win. <laughs> like, right? Oh, yeah, that, that goofball on Twitter. That idiot from a couple weeks ago that nobody knows what we're talking about, so who cares? <laughs> Rest, I, I don't know if I know who you're talking about. Wrestling is the babyface has to win, and, that, and the heel has to lose. That's what well, – no, it isn't. And, oh, I don't know. Okay. And even if it was, why does it have to be that way anyway? It doesn't have yeah, nothing has to be nothing anything. It has to be anything. You're booking it. You can <laughs> that's I, I can't you can, you can, point you across. can use new creative ways to get people over, to get stories over. And besides, that guy was so horribly off base anyway. Guy's a moron. It's not how it works. Of course the heels win sometimes. The heels have to win sometimes to advance the story. The heels have to win a feud now and then to move on to a feud with a different ba- to, a more important baby. The guy was an idiot. I'm glad he unfollowed us because he's a king. The, the, the last final overarching thing will probably be a babyface winning. But, yeah, it's okay if the heels, of course, if the heels get a bunch of small victories up until that point. That was lost. He doesn't understand wrestling. Hey, shit. They can, they can get the but, blow off, too, for all but, I care. But, the, the, but, but. The, po- the point here is that Rusev, you don't want Swagger to win any of these matches. No. Swagger's not the guy. That should, it doesn't benefit him. He, it really does He's doesn't. not the guy that should beat Rusev, number one. And number two, he's getting over anyway. He's getting over by losing. The way he's losing is getting him over. So why would he need to win and hurt Rusev? Doesn't make any sense. 
But anyway, Rusev's been very impressive in this feud. You got to give Swagger credit. And I'm going to point this out again, and I'm going to point it out until the end of time. The only bad non-squash match that Rusev has had was against Roman Roman Reigns. Reigns. On SmackDown. It's the only bad Rusev match. That and I remember at the time, I had this in my last Lanza Reviews 10 random matches. That match was one of them. And I took a lot of heat for saying that I put most of that blame on Roman Reigns for that shitty match. But now, that, I'm starting to get validated with that as well. Mm-hmm. Because this guy hasn't had a bad match against anybody else. He wrestles Big E and he fucking kills it. He wrestles Swagger and he fucking kills it. He wrestles uh, Roman Reigns and they have an awful match. They have a dud. Yeah. And, you know, Roman Reigns is a guy at this point in his career who needs to be carried. And Rusev is not a guy who's going to carry anybody. No, and nor should he be in that position. They're both green at this point. So that, that was Rusev's worst match. So you got to give Jack Swagger some credit here, too. He's better than people think. So, you know, I love what they're doing with Rusev. I know they're going to blow it. But I love what they're doing with Rusev for now. And Rusev, I'll tell you what, you really got to start thinking about this guy for most improved at this point for this year. Sure. I mean, look at oh, it. He's having great match after great match. I mean, Compared to what he was doing in NXT, which, I mean, to, to be fair, wasn't necessarily probably what, what his yeah, full potential was. Matches. But, I mean, it was, yeah, there were 10-minute, you know, or not even 10 minutes, a one-minute, you know, squash matches or whatever. But still, that that's the, the by the the nature of the the, the award, yeah, I, I think he is a, a great candidate for most improved. You know, and, and you look at Roman Reigns' SummerSlam match against Randy Orton, uh, which most people killed uh, for some reason, you know, well – we, we know Dave Meltzer. <laughs> One guy really it's, loved It's a Randy it, but... Orton match, so it's, it, it starts at four stars and then goes from there. Um, but a guy just loves Randy Orton. But most people didn't like that match. It was a perfectly – I didn't mind. It a, I thought it was, I thought okay. it was a perfectly average match. I thought it. Orton did a hell of a job in it's, that match. And I'm not a big you know, Randy that's Orton That's my guy. theme as well. Randy Orton busted his fucking ass in that match. Yeah, I thought he was master. I, I thought just like, like I mentioned, Rusev and, and, and Jack Swagger in their match, I thought Randy Orton – from top to bottom, did everything he could in that match, from facials to the way he moved to his his moves. I and and you could tell he was structured in that match. That was a a perfectly Randy Orton structure. You, you know, it, you could tell that was something that he sort of had a lot of input on of how it was going to do, what was going to happen. But I thought that was his one of his best performances I've seen it in quite some time. But overall, I didn't think it was great because I I just don't think. Roman Reigns is is really connecting. We've, he isn't connecting. Just time, yeah. time and time again, we've seen the once you get past. The Superman punch, the 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 apron drop kick, and the and the and the spear. People, these guys don't know what else to do with Roman Reigns. It's yeah. it's and he's I think he's doing a poor job too of connecting with the crowd as well. Where you see, and I mentioned that during uh, last week's um, um Raw during the Ambrose Rollins match, where Ambrose. Everything he does, even when he's getting hurt, even when he's getting beaten down, even he's generating some sort of crowd. If it's empathy, sympathy, something, he's getting the crowd to do something, to react, to, to – Roman Reigns doesn't do that. He, he sort of – he stands up sometimes and he says, oh, I have to shout now, and then he shouts, and then he does, you know, oh, now I have to do this. It's just – everything just seems so – You know what it, it is? It's nothing you know it organic is? about it's, him it's at all. It's robotic. And yes, he's, it's, he's, it's, he's very robotic, especially for a guy who comes from a wrestling family who you would think would get it. And um, you're right. He isn't connecting with the crowds. And, you know, I'm seeing a lot of this online. I'm seeing a lot of, well, Roman Reigns is going to be a huge star, but Roman Reigns is going to get over huge, but Roman Reigns is going to draw a ton of money, but nobody has the guts to say it. So why not me? I, I'll go out on the limb. I'll, you got to head on the Bray Wyatt thing. I, so. I'm going to be the one to say it. Roman Reigns is going to flop. He doesn't connect with the crowd. He can't work a match. 
And Dean Ambrose, and, and listen, we said this months ago. I said this months ago on this show. The only thing stopping Dean Ambrose from being a bigger star than Roman Reigns is the opportunity. If he gets the opportunity, if they get behind Dean Ambrose, he will blow right past Roman Reigns. Right past Roman Reigns. He's got better instincts. He connects with the crowd a million times better, and he's better in the ring. What's Roman Reigns got? He's got pouty lips, yep. and he's a good-looking guy. There's a lot of good-looking guys who don't go, you know, but here's the thing. I'll be the one to say it. I'm not going to preface it with he's going to be a big star, but no. Roman Reigns is missing something, and I don't think he's going to find it. And you know what? I might look stupid in, in a year, two years, five years, but at least I have the guts to say it. No one else has the guts to say it. They all preface it with he's going to be a big star, but no, no, no. I, I don't think so. I think he'll be put in big situations. Exactly. But, this, that's what right. I'm saying, too. His floor is Randy Orton. He'll, he's not going to be any – he's the – Roman Reigns is the next Randy Orton. He's the guy that they're going to tell you is a big star for the next 10 years. But anybody who really knows what they're talking about knows that he really isn't. And that's Randy Orton. Randy Orton has never been a huge star. They just tell you he's a big star. And they probably think he's a really big star, but he isn't, and we all know that. And that's what Roman Reigns is going to be. I don't see that switch going on. I, the, the guy is he, – he blows up in every match he's in. He's in horrible physical condition. Which is very weird. Yeah, yeah no I don't know how that's still and Here's the other happening. thing, too. And look at his family. This guy has to fucking kill it in the gym or he's going to be 300 pounds by the time he sure. turns 30 because that's just – everyone in his family put on weight once they went, went past 30. So it's going to be a struggle for him to stay in shape. It's going to be a struggle for him to maintain cardio, which is going to be a big problem for him moving forward. He's not connecting with crowds, and his matches are shit. So you know they're going to give him every opportunity. But, yeah, I don't know that he ever gets there. I really don't. And no one else really has the guts to say it. And, and it's like we said months ago. You give, you give Dean Ambrose the, opportunity, the opportunities that he's getting, and they might. All it's going to take for Dean Ambrose is for Vince McMahon to be sitting in that stupid chair in the back and decide, you know what? What the fuck are we doing here? Look at the way this guy connects with crowds. Fuck it. Let's go with this guy. That's all it'll take. That's all it'll take for him to make that decision. Or for him to get tired of Roman Reigns coming out and, and you can hear a pin drop, which is happening more and more frequently now. I'm all fired up, Rich. <laughs> you got Louis all fired up too. So. I'm all fired up. I'm pacing. I'm standing up. I'm sweating. <laughs> sweating. I am. Well, calm down. Take a deep breath, sir. Get, get, a, get a sip of uh, – what, what are you drinking today? Diet Dr. Pepper or what? Uh, what do you think I'm drinking? I'm drinking the Coke Zero. Zero calories. Coke Zero, right. Very delicious. Right, right. How many calories is Diet Dr. Pepper? Zero. Are you done with it? Okay. All right. They're, they also have the Dr. Pepper 10, which is – Yeah, I was going to say, it's 10 too many calories for you? Or? Well, listen, why 10 when you could have zero? I, 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 you know, I have to have the refreshing you know, fizz of the <laughs> cola, but I don't have to have the calories. Sure. You know what I mean? You can't, you can't live on water alone, you know? And you know I don't do the alcoholic beverages, so no, I, yeah. I, I like to, to push down a delicious zero-calorie Coke Zero from time to time. And, and peop, <laughs> people have asked, no, they're not a sponsor. I just, I just. This should I, be. I'm gonna call. I'm actually gonna contact them after the show I, and see. I, I if just enjoy the. Product. Which, by the way, if you'd like to become a sponsor, voiceswrestling.com/slash/advertise. Um, question here, actually, before we uh, move away from WWE, a uh, question we got sent to us by a contributor to the website, Taylor Mitchell uh, at Luchinerd on Twitter, who reviews SmackDown for us and has a bunch of other good columns throughout the week. Um, he says list. Well, maybe we don't have to do. <laughs> No, never mind. We, we, he said list Lesnar's next seven pay-per-view matches. I don't want to do that. I don't, I think I don't you think he's going to have seven pay-per-view matches. Yeah, that's – I don't – yeah, that, that's 
That's assuming he does every single month, which I don't think is a good idea. Yeah. WrestleMania. You're not gonna have seven. Which, but yeah, let's let's so let's 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 book this out. Um, after Cena, let's say you know Cena United Champions, obviously. What are his next two then? Well, if they before if they, WrestleMania, uh, presuming he wins at Night of Champions, is still champion. If they weren't completely retarded about it. They could have done somebody else at Night of Champions and then did Cena at like Royal Rumble or something. But I honestly don't know where they go from there because again, they've done a piss poor job getting people ready. So you can't do Roman Reigns obviously at this point because uh, if you're going to do Roman Reigns, it's going to have to be at WrestleMania. He's not ready yet. Plus, even if he was ready, you'd want to save that presumably for WrestleMania where you crown him or whatever. Um, so I, I really don't know. They have, they haven't, they haven't, they've done a piss poor job. I mean, maybe, ne- maybe after Cena, they go to the big show or, or Mark Henry. Well, and if they do that, that's even uh, doubly stupid. Cause it means they just did it in reverse order. What would have made more sense. So I, I, I really, you know, a lot of people are saying, bring back Batista, but well, what's going to entice Batista to come back from Matt? The guy was already annoyed with the way he was used <laughs> the first time he was there. What makes and you... now you need to go get your ass kicked yeah, sir, well, by you... a guy that might injure you because he doesn't really know. Well, what he's gonna... I mean, like you gotta, you gotta convince this guy who already wasn't happy with the way he was used and, 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 and got out of Dodge the first chance that he contractually could. Now you're going to convince him to come back to do one squash match or, or come back and just do a job. I don't see how that's enticing to, from Batista's point of view, especially when we don't know how these pay-per-view payouts work anymore or anything like that so i mean that would be great if he's willing to come back and do that i mean that's an obvious solution um but you know who says that he agrees to that i don't know that he agrees to that so who knows you have a tough time kind of booking that out uh, the rest of the way i mean I, I again i would not do reigns as you mentioned he's sort of my last guy yeah it's again and, and that's i guess before we move on to, to other stuff we'll talk a little bit a little last little wwe topic here is and, and, and people sort of were mentioning this too when we were sort of discussing this point of there not being another guy to step up and there's not another guy. And people were saying, well, that, that's how it always is. You know, in the nineties, there was never another guy in two thousands. There was never another guy. I, I disagree. Who completely. says who's saying that? Cause those people, that was a few guys on the, uh, the observer board were, were saying that. And a few others were agreeing with that, that, that there's always sort of been this core of, of, of a few people that, that got that, but I, or, or, you know, got title shots or whatever, but I don't think that's really true at all. I don't think so either. I mean, historically, it was always next man up and they were always getting somebody ready underneath and there was always somebody festering underneath, ready to step in. I I disagree with that. Maybe in modern, I mean, I I think, and the problem too is again, you can do whoever you want with with that. And I think one of the most telling examples and one that that I didn't get a chance to sort of respond with or, or discuss is we look at Stone Cold Steve Austin, who, you know, at that point, Late 97, you have, you know, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels and, and The Undertaker and, and a pretty heavy upper, you know, upper mid-card main event there. Two of those guys are gone at this point. The Undertaker is is, is sort of in his own little feud. So you have Steve Austin who wins the title. And what they do is they just resurrect a guy that was sort of in the mid-card doing nothing in Mankind and, and you know, redid him as dude love and that sort of stuff. And he was the title contender for two weeks or, or two months, rather, until you're ready to go back to Kane and Undertaker and that sort of stuff. Where you can do that. It's, it's, it's not a problem. To just have a guy, as we're saying, with, with Seamus or whatever. You book this stuff. You know what? Just say, yeah, Seamus, whatever. Who cares? I mean, people might call you out on it, but they, it, it's it's you book this stuff. Well, I mean, if they were – It doesn't if, matter. If were, if, <laughs> that's, that's the whole thing about them doing a piss-poor job preparing. Seamus could have had a match against SummerSlam against a credible opponent and won in a very convincing fashion, which would have prepared him for a match with Brock right. Lesnar. But they didn't do that. They, had, they didn't have anybody lined up, and that's what I mean when I say they did a piss-poor job. But they just did. They, they did a piss-poor job getting people ready for that. Now I, they, they – you know, they felt like they had to go right back to Cena, and that's what happened. And now I don't know where they go after that because 
Who are they preparing now? Uh, That's what I meant. We can't even say now after they're done with Cena, then who's the next? And then we're right back to the thing that people said we can't do. It's just to pick somebody off the uh, the heap. Same old shit. They're just not preparing anybody. So that's why I say I wouldn't completely shock me if Cena won. I think it would be completely asinine and the worst possible thing they could ever do. But would would it shock me? No, it wouldn't shock me. All right, let's move on to other than WWE stuff. We talked about Night of Champions Raw here. Let's let's actually go. We'll stay in North America. We'll go Triple Mania though. Okay. Triple A's Triple Mania. Now you attempted to watch. I attempted to watch this show. Uh, the feed at first was going just swimmingly. Actually, the picture was it was a beautiful picture, much better than the UStream picture. Uh, but then you know it was the buffering wheel and the sound not synced up. And then if you refreshed, it would kick you to. The very begin, like it would kick you to this. And you weren't alone in this. We, uh, we should no, no, no one was able to watch. People. Yeah, right, nobody right. was able to watch. Triple um, A says everybody was able to watch, but nobody was able to watch <laughs> uh, because this was going on during SummerSlam, and I was attempting to watch Triple Mania while you watched SummerSlam, and we were going to both be tweeting about both shows, but I had to give up halfway into the second match because the feed just wasn't staying. And when you hit refresh, it took you back not just to the beginning of the show, but it would take you back to like the pre-show with like people filing into the building and. <laughs> then you'd have to fast forward back to the point and then you'd have to switch it back to the English commentary. It was just a disaster. So I gave up, I quit. And then for the next three or four days, even the video on demand was having buffering issues and not working for anybody. So I still haven't gotten through the entire show. So I can't sit here and, and talk about the matches because I, I haven't seen most of them still. Cause now I haven't had time. Like I said, we had a busy week. We couldn't even do a show. Um, but, but the big theme was I did see the Alberto Del Rio angle. Uh, that opened the show. So what they did was before they even had a match, they did the old, there's a limo pulling up deal, the old nitro deal. Okay. So the limo pulls up and you know, who's in the limo. We don't know who's in the limo. Well, it was Alberto Del Rio and it was his old man, those cars. Okay. So they get out of the limo. And, uh, the interesting thing was they used his WWE theme, <laughs> which I thought was like a Muzak version at first, but it wasn't, it was the actual WWE version of his theme. Was it the most recent one? Because that one almost sounded like a his his most recent one sounded like a cheap version of his original. Theme. I don't know, but it was it was the real theme. Um, okay. I don't know which one it was. The one where they ruined it and added the you know the baby face version or whatever. But yeah, yeah. Um, it probably was that one. Which... Not only that, they were calling him Alberto El Patron or something. Uh, <laughs> but the thing is, the on-screen graphics said Alberto Del Rio. <laughs> so they're calling him Alberto Del Rio. Um, you know, Hugo Savinovich and Vampiro are going on about Alberto Del Rio with no fucks given. You know, they're just calling him Alberto Del Rio the whole time. And uh, what was nice about it was while he was cutting his promo, they were translating it for you, the English announcers. Oh, yeah, okay. So even though the English announcers were horrible from what I've, from what I've watched, from that perspective of translating the promos, I thought it was very helpful. And it was something that made me think like New Japan maybe could just do something like that. Maybe just have, you know, someone who speaks English just translate the promos. Maybe, you know how they turn down the music that isn't licensed and then they play the fake? Yeah. Well, you can turn down when they're cutting promos and then go to a different audio feed if sure. somebody translate. That 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 made me think of that. But I thought that was very helpful because you knew everything that Del Rio was saying. And he basically called WWE a racist company. And he really rallied the fans. They made the, he, he was a star right then and there from the second he cut that promo. They really got something with him. You really got that sense. Um, they're, they're doing the us against them sort of thing where, you know, he, you know, he's positioning the Americans as racists and, 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 you know, he's the, the hero coming back home. 
or whatever. Um, and his dad was there. And then, then the heels came out, you know, and they had their little physical thing. They taunted him that he was under the 90 day and that he couldn't fight back. And then they, they bullied the dad. And then, you know, they got into a little scuffle. It was very well done and it got over very well. And it seems like they really have something with him. And then later in the show, they played a video of Rey Mysterio Jr. So they, <laughs> yeah. something that was supposed to be apparently just for the live crowd, but had slipped in at, at, at the at the pretty much the last few seconds of, of of what the pay-per-view feed was. But I'm sure it wasn't completely unintentional. So right. So I mean, by Mysterio or AAA or yeah. they're really walking a fine line here. So they're doing a bunch of things that could that could potentially get them in trouble. And we we still don't know what's going on with Del Rio in terms of here's a guy who was who was terminated for cause. So we don't know how any of that works in terms of. Uh, non-competes. Now they're saying they want to, you know, put a one-year non-compete on him, which they're saying is ludicrous and will never uh, hold up in court. And you know, plus you're crossing international borders. This thing is so sticky. Who knows what's going to happen? And there's sort of that sort of, um, you know, he he's feeling ballsy. Maybe Triple is feeling ballsy too, of saying, you know, hey, go to court, and then we can start talking about how you know I got fired for for this or this. Or that. You know, they're sort of hoping the WWE just goes whatever. You know what I'm saying? Where they're sort of, I, th- I think there's a lot of confidence on their end that WWE will not take them to court for anything related to El Rio because they don't want it to start. They don't want the discovery to go. Okay, well, why did he get fired and that sort of stuff? Because because that could end up being sort of that could end up becoming a bigger thing. I mean, obviously, yeah, yeah, what you're I saying you is it could end up being that, terrible PR when it comes out. That, right. Yeah. For, oh, we have a guy that, that was being racist and, and didn't get fired. I mean, granted, it makes sense why Del Rio got fired. But as we're starting to see a little bit more, I think we're starting to see that this maybe wasn't a, a one-time deal and maybe wasn't something that – he hasn't been reprimanded. And that was our thing the last podcast we had as we were talking about the social media manager, obviously, Barberini, I forgot exactly – I think that's how you pronounce it – hasn't been reprimanded at all. Barbier, basically that. Or yeah, that was it. That he's sort of, and that was we were waiting to see. Okay, hey, let, let's wait. Let's wait on judgment to see what sort of happens with him. Well, for all, apparently, yeah, because for all we knew, he could have been fired at that point. Right. Exactly. We just didn't know that. Now but... we know that he's still with the company, and, and mm-hmm. the story coming out now is that according to Del Rio, this was not the first time that this guy had gotten racist with him. So, sure. So that's not very good PR if WWE really wants to get into you legal know, push. Comes. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Right. right. They don't want to get into that whole mess. But, yeah, I wish I could comment more on the show, but I can't because I haven't been able to watch a damn thing. So, you know, hopefully – Let's talk a little bit – oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So hopefully someday this week I'll be able to sit down. I mean it's only six matches, which I like. I really like when uh, these companies put on these big shows. And, you know, this was something Gabe Sapolsky was talking about getting back to was, you know, you don't need to have, you know, 12 matches on every show. You know what I mean? You can can have Mm -hmm. a nice six-match show and things can sink in and – um, you know, that that's how Dragon Gate USA started in the beginning, and that's how he handled these last set of Evolve shows. And his Triple Mania show it was only six matches. So uh, some of them were really long, and, and, and I'm looking forward to sitting down and really checking it out because I've only seen, you know, one and a half matches at this point. Oh, uh, the attendance was really good. Yeah, if the reported number. Yeah, yeah so, so and, and we've confirmed that that's the, I mean, that's what, what was in the Observer. That's the number, right? That's not just an inflated. They did over, like, over 20,000, yeah, like 20. Yeah, at 21,000 is what I had. Excuse me, yeah. Uh, from the Observer, which is the largest, uh, according to Dave Meltzer, the largest crowd and gate for AAA show in many, many years. So Yeah, and that that's a good sign. Good and hopefully, you know, and, and you, you kind of get the sense that maybe, you know, Alberto Del Rio had a lot to do with that. And, um, you know, I'll tell you one thing, you know, it means Jeff Jarrett's not, you know, Jeff Jarrett didn't show up and, uh, you know, Ricochet didn't show up. So, you know, Jeff Jarrett was tweeting from the airport 
that, uh, you know, his flight wasn't going to make it. And uh, Ricochet couldn't get out of, I think he was in Buffalo, New York, I want to say. For- yeah, somewhere in upstate New York. I don't know. I, I don't know if it was Buffalo exactly. But yeah, he, he an indie show had went too late and he lost. Uh, he missed his flight. He missed so. his flight and he didn't make the show. But he was only, he was like, you know, in a 10-man. Ten- yeah, he died. Yeah. The second match. In the, so they replaced him with somebody. I don't know who yet. But uh, um, it's not like he was an integral part of the show. But I, I was interested in seeing Jeff Jarrett because this was all post-Bullet Club. So I want yeah. to see <laughs> that carried over into AAA or, or, or not. Probably wouldn't have, but uh, but you know, Jeff and Karen the Witch uh, did not make the show. So um, hopefully, I'll watch that sometime this week, and then we probably won't talk about it because it'll be ancient history by then. But if there's something you know that I think was incredible on it, then uh, then we'll talk about it. Absolutely. All right, let's move over to Japan a little bit. Here we have uh, two things, two big uh, events that happened last weekend, and none of them are in New Japan. So we're actually going to talk Dragon Gate and DDT. Which one do you want to start out with? Uh, let's do DDT. All right, so DDT had their big annual Peter Pan show from the Sumo Hall and got 9,000 people in there. Uh, ni- uh, what was it? Yeah, 9,100 uh, fans in there for the um, DDT Peter Pan show. It was a uh, show featuring New Japan stars uh, Minoru Suzuki, Hiroshi Tanahashi, as well as people you might know if you're a New Japan fan only, and their DDT regulars is Kota Ibushi and Kenny Omega. And as you said, uh, Tanahashi and Suzuki, that, that's basically loaned for them using Omega and and. and yeah. And the best super juniors and that sort of stuff. And and obviously the Bushi is, is sort of has a dual contract right now, but I think they still as, as as a caveat to that, they'll give them a few guys here and there. And we saw last year with Okada uh in the Peter Pan show. And it, it, it helps both companies out, I think. I think it's a really good thing to do because DDT obviously, as we mentioned, got ninety you know, nine thousand people into the Sumo Hall for this, their biggest show of the year. But uh, I watched a few of the big matches of the show. I believe you watched the entire show, correct? Yeah. Uh, what were your thoughts on on this show? It's it's DDT is unique. If you haven't heard us ever describe it before, it's yeah, DDT uh, is very wacky. I mean, you know, the yeah. undercard was filled with a lot of wacky comedy and the blow up dolls and all that stuff that they do. Uh, Denshi Goldino and his gay act, and um, you know, it's it. There's a lot of that on the undercards. Um, but um, the show was okay. I thought the the Kota Ibushi uh, Shuji Kondo match was the best match on the show. Um, I really loved the match. It was just below match of the year level for me. I thought it was it was the Kota Ibushi return match from his concussion. So it was the first match he's had since he got knocked out in the uh, Kushida match where he lost the IWGP junior title uh, in Corican Hall. And the first thing, you know, right out of the gate in this match, Shuji Kondo kicks him right in the fucking head. And, you know, that was the story from then on. It was uh, playing off of the concussion issues, and I thought they did a good job. My, my, my one critique, and for me, what stopped this from being a match of the year caliber match is I think Abushi made one too many, like, valiant comebacks in this match. Mm-hmm. I thought that there was one too many, like, uh, I don't want to call them fighting spirit comebacks, but I don't know how else to describe it. He's just, just coming back from these vicious attacks of the head. I think there was, there's a little bit too, if they would have done it, you know, one or two less times, uh, it, 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 it would have made the match a little bit better. I thought it, it just, it started to get a little silly towards the end. I was like, oh, he can't recover again. Can he? And the other thing was, I wasn't sure it was the right finish for him to win because generally in these, uh, matches where Japanese wrestlers come back from an injury, they'll lose the first match out, you know, because, yeah. you know, it's all oh, they're, you know, they're just fresh back from an injury, but he won this one. And maybe that's because Kondo isn't really a DDT regular. He's more of a freelancer. Maybe they figured, you know, this isn't, maybe if he was wrestling a DDT regular, he would have lost the match. But uh, those are two very minor gripes. It was still an excellent match. 
And um, I love the story that they told. And I think Kondo is one of the more underrated guys around. I think he's. It was really good. I think this is one of the first. I, I've seen him a few times, but this is the first time I really sort of dug in and and and, and focused on you know one of his matches. And I, I enjoyed it a lot. I thought he was great, and he worked really well. And and I think, as you said, the thought the part that was awesome is he was targeting Ibushi's. I mean, there was hard clotheslines, there was the kick in the head, that sort of stuff, which is so. It's so refreshing to see that because, as we just mentioned, you know, with John Cena, where you know, eight days later, he's got nothing. We're, you know, he's fine. You know, no ill effects or whatever. This match was completely 100% structured around a concussion that happened in a, in a different organization. You, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, a month earlier. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's 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 good. It, it sort of rewards anybody that knew, and the crowd knew. I mean, he hit that big kick, and he hit clotheslines, and Abushi held his, and there was oh, there was there was big gasps every time they were hitting Abushi. It was like oh shit, you know. Hope this doesn't happen again. I, I I thought it was great. I thought it was really really fun. Yeah, um, it's it's uh, it's one of those. It's Kondo to me has been one of uh, the more underrated guys around. He's uh, he's he's you know so for people who don't know what he's about, he's like a power junior. That's sort of his style. He's he's a power junior and uh, he's a freelancer. And it, the problem with him is he's never really been in a promotion that was hot while he was in it. You know what I mean? So he's not a guy mm-hmm. who, unless you're a hardcore, you know, uh, Japanese wrestling fan, he's kind of a guy who can slip through the cracks who you might not end up uh, seeing a ton of, but I thought he did a great job here. So, uh, yeah, it was a great match. I thought it was the best match on the card. I thought the, uh, uh, Tanahashi, uh, Takashita match, which is guy, which was sort of, you know, you know, the, the top star in Japan against the up and coming star, the guy who's going to eventually be the man in DDT. How young is he? I don't know his exact age, but he was a rookie last year, I believe, or the year. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was very. I mean, I, I just initially saw him, and I was. It, it was shocking how young he looked. So I wasn't sure. Let me look that up right now. I'll have the producer. Sorry, I'll have the producer. Yes, do that, yes. Of I had the producer look. Up. I mean, why did we pay this guy? We might as well, you know. Yes. So I mean, obviously predictable finish. You're not going to have uh, Tanahashi lose in that spot, but you want to have your up and coming young star, the guy who you're eventually going to build your promotion around, presumably have a good showing, and he did. Uh, to me, though, the match never really got to the next level. It was a good match. It was a solid match. I think I gave it three and a quarter, three and a half, something like that. Jeez, he's 19 years old. Yeah, yeah, he's a kid. I think he was a rookie. I think he finished fourth or something in the rookie, the Observer rookie balloting either last year or the year before. Yeah, because it says Um, says he started uh, August uh, of 2012. It was last year. It was probably last year. Yeah, God, he was born in 1995. How does that make you feel? It, it's Joe? ridiculous. It's great. What, what were you doing in 1990? What was a Joe Lanza in 1995? I was. Uh, it was a normal Joe Lanza day in 1995. Oh God, so. you don't even want to know. That was a year after I graduated high school, and uh, every third Saturday we were driving down to Philly uh, to go to ECW shows and act like idiots. And um, and um, I apologize to any of the females that knew me in 1995. <laughs> And, uh, you know, so we don't we don't need to talk about 1995. Okay, that's fine. Okay. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, it, it, it just never got to that next level. And uh, for me, anyway. But, uh, you know, um, the main event was a three-way for the uh, – for the uh, what do they call their title on DDT? The uh, oh, okay. they had some producer, get that up. Gimmicky name producer, for that thing. The producer cl- closed the, uh, the window that was up. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. The, the, the name of their top title. I always There's, forget. You can hear his, his collar jiggling <laughs> in the background. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Louis the producer here. 
Let's see the uh, KOD open weight title. Yeah, the, yeah, that's right, the open weight title. So uh, the KOD open weight title, and that was technically the main event. It wasn't the mat, you know. The, the, the look, the draws here were Tanahashi going against Takashita and the Abushi return match. Let's face it. But technically, the main event of the show was Hiroshima winning the three way over Kodaka and Omega uh, uh, in in the title match. There, that was an okay match too. I had it in a three star. It didn't re- again. It wasn't. It wasn't a match that blew me away or anything. But I didn't think. It was terrible. I thought the second best best match on the show actually was the six man title match um, with Ishii, Iri, and Takeo uh, beating Kudo, Takanashi, and uh, who's the third guy on that team? Sakaguchi. Uh, Yukio Sakaguchi. 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 Right, right. Uh, that was a title change, I think. And uh, yep. that that yeah you know, that to me that was the second best match on the show because I love Iri, uh, Shigehiro Iri. He's a uh, he he's a guy who I who I like a lot. And uh, I really dig his stuff, and I thought that match worked for me. And it, I, you know, it didn't. I, I think it was only like an eight or nine minute match, if I'm not mistaken. It was ten fifty seven. You all prepared there, yeah. So yep. producer, producer, but, has it but for you me. know, it was an excellent match. And you know, the undercard stuff. You know, look, it isn't. That's not my speed. I wasn't. You know, there, there, sometimes it makes me chuckle, but I'm not really, uh, you know, heavily into that stuff. But but those are the four matches that I was concentrating on. And and look, it was it was a nice little show. It was a nice little show. Yeah, I thought it was fun. It was if you haven't if you've never watched DDT before, it's a good sort of sampler to get in there, and it's 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 easily accessible as well for people that that, that want to find it. But no, I thought it was it, it it it's very unique what they do. But I think that you still have a nice blend, especially with those as you mentioned those last four matches where you're gonna get this beginning and it's gonna be just wild and insane and you have no idea what's going on. But it sort of regulates towards the end a little bit. Where if you're if you're a New Japan fan or if you're just sort of an in ring fan or whatever, you're still gonna get some pretty good matches. And I I, I really think that Ibushi uh, uh, Kondo matches it was great. I thought it was really, especially if you know the story of Ibushi and know and really understand that this was his first match back and, and sort of the, the the caution that was surrounding him, you know, not only, you know, how he reacted to stuff, but how the crowd as well. I thought it was really good. Yeah, yeah. So And just cool that they it was it's from a different promotion they could still do it. You, you know what I mean? There's something really cool about that. Yeah. Where, you know, they're, they're closely aligned and all that sort of stuff, but but to have it say, you know, hey, we're going to grab this story from this, to have that confidence to say, look, our fans are smart enough to know what's going on here. And know what the the issue is and and that sort of stuff. I I, I love that. I just God, it's just not done enough. Even in America, it's not done enough with the indies, mm-hmm. where they don't they don't they don't give enough respect to the, to fans now. That that there's sort of this. Well, the fans are on the internet. Those ones might know, but not all these other fans. You know, shut up. They, these people know what they're doing. You know, yep. we're all sitting here on the internet chatting about it and doing horrible podcasts about it. So, um, let's move on to Dragon Gate. So it was the Dangerous Gate show? Obviously, no, this no, one's no, a no, 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 what? no, 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 we're not moving on to Dragon Gate. I, I have something to address here. Uh-oh. Okay. I legitimately, because the point is so stupid and makes no sense, <laughs> I legitimately thought that Dylan was trolling when he asked, what does DDT draw 9,100 fans to sumo? Well, I guess we, we could phrase this, too, because we had a question as well. We had a uh, Where the Big Boys Play, which is a great podcast uh, done on the Place to Be Nation. He says, uh, what does DDT drawing at Sumo Hall tell us about New Japan? And that's similar to what Dylan and you had a conversation about. So. Yeah. Um, I, again, that was the question posed by Dylan, and I legitimately thought he was just fucking around and trolling because it doesn't make any sense. It means nothing to New Japan. It means zero to New Japan. And Dylan's not here to defend himself because we had a nice little debate on Twitter about this. So if you want to go back on the Twitter feed and see his side of it, you can go do that. It's all there. It's on Friday. Yeah, um, it was on Friday. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's all there. You can check his feed or our feed. But 
To me, it means it, it relates to New Japan nil, not at all. I mean, what does this mean in New Japan? Who cares? All this means is DDT drew, drew a nice house for Peter Pan again, which they do every year, using New Japan stars as a draw, by the way. But we'll leave that, we'll leave that aside. We don't have to, you know. Last year, they used Okada in the main event against Ibushi and put together a dream match to draw the house. This year, they used the biggest star in Japan to help draw the house. But let's put that aside. It doesn't mean anything in relation to New Japan, aside from New Japan helping them draw the house. Um, and, and you know, it, it just means that DDT does a good job with this show. I think in 2012, they ran it in Budokan Hall and drew a nice crowd. And I think in 2011, they drew like 8,500 in Sumo Hall. They always do a good job with the Peter Pan show. That's a feather in their cap. I don't see how that means anything in relation to New Japan. It means nothing. Who, what, why would New Japan care? What does it matter to New Japan's business? New Japan's busy drawing 35,000 in the Tokyo Dome. They don't run their biggest show of the year in Sumo Hall. This isn't 1989. The business doesn't revolve around Sumo Hall. It's just one building. And I don't know why we're so fixated on one building. And, and, and besides, the last time New Japan ran Sumo Hall was for Invasion Attack, and they drew 8,500. <laughs> right. You're talking about, what, what are you talking about, 600 fans? Who cares? Nothing. What's the, what does it matter? They run and they're running and they're running Sumo Hall for uh, for King of Pro Wrestling in two months. They run it several times per year and fill the place. DDT runs it once for their biggest show of the year, which they build all year to this show. They better damn well sell it out, or they need to run a smaller building. So good for them. Near sellout, by the way. Not a, yeah. you know, it's one of those near capacities that you call a sellout, which is fine. Because I don't want to be put in a position to be dumping on DDT. I have nothing against DDT. They do a great job every year with the show. But what does it mean to New Japan? It means absolutely nothing. It means nothing to New Japan. New Japan just did 18,000 fans the week before. I mean, I, I don't see how you can use that as a way to knock New Japan. New Japan's going to run the building two or three times and put the same amount of people in there. Yeah, uh, it's something that's interesting for reference. In uh, June, DDT, uh, in their King of DDT 2014, uh, ran Corrigan Hall, and he had 2,000 people there. So, Well, yeah, they filled Corrigan for, the, for, right. for their for – they, they, they run their biggest show in Sumo Hall and their second biggest show in Corrigan Hall. It's, it's yep. a, a totally different level we're, that we're talking here. New Japan's running domes for their biggest shows. Right, because in between them, you have a bunch sumo. of little spot shows with 600 people and, you know. Right, if, if DDT tried to run Sumo Hall in two months with, with another show, they'd be lucky to get 5,000 people. So it's not an apples-to-apples -apples comparison. I don't see how it relates to New Japan at all. It means nothing to New Japan. It, it really doesn't mean a thing. I mean, New Japan's going to put 8,000 people in that building three times a year. DDT's going to put eight to 9,000 people in the building one time for their, very, for their biggest show. How does that mean anything? I mean, do you disagree or agree? Well, how does this mean anything to New Japan? I don't know. Yeah, I think it's, it's to me, it's apples and oranges because as you sort of were in your argument as well, and I totally agree. I think what people are trying to say is that, wow, you know, New Japan, you know, they're drawing better than New Japan at, at Sumo Hall well, or whatever. Hold on and a second, though. Hold and that's not second. what it is. No, I know, I know. Japan, I, <laughs> if New Japan put together their very best show and put it in Sumo Hall, right. they would sell it out. So who cares? That's what I'm saying. If Wrestle Kingdom was they at Sumo 35, Hall. They did 35,000 people for their biggest show. Right. So what? They don't put their biggest show. Who cares? Exactly. If that, Japan that's I mean. wanted it's... to, they they can put all their eggs in one basket and put ninety one hundred and put ten thousand people in Sumo Hall. But they're beyond that. They're not worried about putting ten thousand people in Sumo Hall. They're not worried about blowing their load in Sumo Hall. They got to spread these matches out because they're running domes and they're running Sumo Hall two or three times. DDT can put all their eggs in that basket. 
doesn't mean anything to New Japan. All it means is that DDT did a great job with their biggest show of the year, and they do a great job every year with their biggest show of the year. And they supplemented it. And, and oh, by the way, they put Hiroshi Tanahashi on the fucking show. I mean, come on, let's not forget about that. In the in the yeah the not the main event but but in the in, in one of the two matches that meant anything right, yeah. to drawing the crowd that three way didn't draw the crowd. No one's gonna make that argument. The two the two matches that drew the crowd were Tanahashi and Ibushi. That's what drew the crowd. And the year before, what drew what drew the house was Okada versus Ibushi dream match. It was Okada at his peak. Okay, so are, come on, it doesn't mean anything to New Japan other than New Japan helped them draw the house. I just it completely – I legitimately thought he was trolling. I, I didn't think it was – but he was serious. So then we got into a, you know, a serious debate, you know, a classic Joel Anza-Dillon debate, you know, and then you know, where it looks like we want to kill each other. And then the debate's over and everything's you know, fine after that. But it, it's, it's – it's, it's, I thought – I really just thought he was trolling. Well, it doesn't mean anything. Who cares? Right. They might, and, and I think – King of Pro Wrestling might do 10,000 in two months. Like, we don't know. Or it might do 8,000. Either way, what does it matter? The DDT house still doesn't matter in relation to New Japan. I don't know. I just, yeah, they're on different wavelengths. I, I think, and especially here, this is pretty interesting as well. Uh, I was looking at – I'm just looking at through DDT results right now. Um, they have their DDT Beer Garden Wrestling, uh, which is a, a series of events in, in July. Uh, the attendance for these are 616, 481, 585, and 605. Now, again, that doesn't matter, but it's just saying that, you know, this isn't it, – it's not something – they're not outdrawing – I mean, they're not doing consistent houses that are great. Hey, DDT, doing listen. one – Really, really awesome house. Did, two, absolutely. When you add in the Kirk and one with, with two thousand, they're, they're, yeah. they're a nice little promotion. But in Tokyo for you know DDT Beer Garden Wrestling, they're getting six hundred people. I mean, four hundred people. They, you know, they they that's their big show, man, and they do a great job with it. I, it doesn't mean anything because they outdrew Invasion Attack by six hundred fans. This was to mean something to New Japan. It doesn't mean anything in New Japan. It just means DDT did well. Why? Just because another promotion does well, why does that mean anything negative towards the other promotion? Which, if that promotion wanted to, really, truly wanted to, they could sell out Sumo Hall. They want, but they're not going to put all their eggs in a Sumo Hall basket. Yeah, it's, there's no point. It's, it's bigger picture than just Sumo Hall now. That's just the building they go to two or three times a year. That's not their pri- – they have a wacky owner who wants to run dome tours, like a, which is nonsensical and, <laughs> and idiotic, and they're never going to be able to run dome tours. I mean – but th- th- that's their focus. Right. They're focused. They, this guy wants to run dome tours. He wants to run two weeks worth of domes. You think they care that they drew 600 less people than DDT to, to, to one of their you know, three sumo hall shows that they're going to run this year? They're going to put 27,000 people combined in sumo hall this year. The DDT's not that. DDT's never going to run it. It can't run it again. They put 3,000 people in it if they ran it again, especially if they ran it without the New Japan talent. I don't know. That was a goofy argument. I don't know. I had to. <laughs> I thought it was so goofy. I mean, I would. I, would, I, don't I was. I still, I was, I still I don't understand the point. I, I really, honestly, don't understand the point of that, of that argument. I don't. I don't get it. I, I, at the end of the day, it's somehow it's supposed to reflect badly on New Japan business, but I don't see how it does at all. I don't. Know. I just don't get it. All right. Now can we move on to drink it? Yeah. Are you ready? Okay, nothing more. <laughs> nothing more DDT. That's the longest DDT conversation we've ever had, but it's good. It's fun. They, they were a good little thing to watch. But yeah, let's talk about the Dragon Gate Dangerous Gate. Obviously, this um, 
we don't need to go kind of match by match with this one because obviously it's a little bit outdated. But there's some big themes here and stuff that we've been talking about, and we you know we've been following intently uh, you know Dragon Gate's storytelling throughout this summer, which is, has been great and a, a definite feud of the year contender, which people have sort of mentioned uh, as well in Yamato and and, and BB Hulk. Uh, kind of came to a head a little bit. BB Hulk quote won the title, but you, you know you, you can probably phrase it a little bit better. Um, you know, given sort of what the stipulations of that sort of war, he, he won the title, but he already kind of held it. We, we mentioned that in the last week's show, but you can kind of get into that a little bit. But yeah, really, I thought it was a really good card. It wasn't a blow away, amazing, awesome Dragon card, uh, Dragon Gate card like you get a lot of times. But I thought top to bottom, it was a good show. Um, there was some obviously filler at the beginning, but I thought the main events matches all sort of delivered to an extent. I don't know if this was a show that I would say is a show of the year. You have to watch this one definitely. But I thought from a storyline perspective, it was very effective. Absolutely effective. It's not a show of the year by at all. I mean, it was a really good show, but it's not a show of the year. It's probably not a show that you really need to watch unless you're a dragon. It's not one of their I best mean, of the year. If, if, if No, I mean, it, it was a good show, though. They never have bad shows. Um, or they haven't had one in recent memory that I could think of that what I would say is a bad show or even an average show. But it was, it was a good show. And, I mean, the, 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 the big theme here with Dragon Gate is it's 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 been – such a well-booked promotion for the last year or so since the Millennials came back. And that really continued here. I mean, we talked about the lead-up into this BB Hulk and the Rookie Doi match, how it's the complete antithesis of how WWE does things, and it, it's so much better than the way WWE does things in terms of Hulk unable to beat Mad Blanky one versus five, you know, two months in a row or whatever it was. In fact, he didn't even come close to beating them. Uh, they didn't even tease that he was going to win either of those matches. You know, Doi beat him in both matches uh, after Hulk, you know, eliminated one or two guys. And then Doi beat him soundly because Doi has been a top star for a long time. And just because he's a heel now doesn't mean that he's not good anymore and that he can't beat somebody five versus one. So he beat Hulk in both of those stacked odds matches, which is the way it should be done. Why would you make Doi look completely impotent and like an idiot that he can't beat one guy, mm-hmm. even with the help of three or four of his friends, which if it was WWE, Hulk would have won the first stacked odds match and that would have been the end of that. But that's not how this played out. Hulk lost. And then Hulk lost another stacked odds match, this time with the title on the line. And, uh, you know, Doi won the title from him in that one. But, uh, you know, Dragon Gate uh, officials stepped in and said that it wasn't really fair that he won the match in a four versus one match. And uh, But, you know, Hulk did agree to the rules, so they named Doi the interim champ. Granted Hulk a rematch on this show here at Dangerous Gate. And uh, if Hulk were to win, he would just resume his title reign as if it was never interrupted. And if Doi were to win, he would have the interim label stripped away and he would, you know, continue on with his title reign. So when Hulk finally got Doi one on one after losing to him twice in stacked odds matches, what do you know? He beat him one on one with the Spanish with the Phoenix Splash center of the ring. And uh, continues on with his title reign. It's just basic, simple booking that doesn't make anybody look bad. It made it made Hulk look good for being, you know, a guy, a, a courageous baby face, willing to take on four or five men at once. And then when he finally got a one-on-one situation, proved he was the better man. Doi didn't look like a geek because when he had the odds in his favor, he was able to beat Hulk, which is what you should do to keep your 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 uh, heel strong. And uh, and at the end of all this, Masaki Mochizuki and Dragon Kid were at ringside because Hulk has been stubborn and he's wanted to take on Mad Blanky all by himself. 
himself, but Mochizuki and Dragon Kid insisted on helping him this time so that Mad Blanky couldn't interfere and cost him the match. And after the match, BB Hulk also finally conceded that he could use a little help and that, yep. and that he could use a unit. And uh, Mochizuki and Dragon Kid tossed their We Are Team Veteran shirts into the crowd and uh, quit that unit. And they have formed a new unit with uh, BB Hulk. So BB Hulk now has some help. And uh, he he will now have a bunch of new matchups up and a bunch of fresh matches to go and uh, just great booking. That story was just, you know, from beginning to end, from the problems that Hulk was having with Mad Blanky to the split after the cage match to the two stacked odds matches to the one on one match against Doi beating Yamato for the title. Just great, great booking, long term booking. Tremendous booking. Now there's a new unit that's been formed here. And, uh, you know, there's just there's just so much to like about it and uh, everything that they've done with that BB Hulk story. And he's been resurrected, too, which I thought was cool because he sort of was getting lost in the shuffle a little bit there. And, and that and that the dragon gets they do that a lot where, where guys sort of get lost for a little while and then they sort of come back and and they do the sort of resurrection thing. But I think it's really good because, I mean, the crowd obviously is, is way into him. And I think he's a really good baby face as well. So I, I'm I'm waiting in the BB Hulk story. And it's just a great it, it, it's as we sort of mentioned, it's something you can rally behind. You can, this guy, you know, he needed a little bit of help. He needed, you know, he, he wasn't a perfect specimen. You know, he, he's human. That's he the needed, thing. Your baby yeah. faces don't have to be superheroes. Right. And it doesn't make them look any lesser if they're not superheroes. Right. He's perfectly okay. The fans still love him just the same. In, the, in those because... stacked odds elimination matches, he eliminated the geeks. You know what I mean? He beat Mondai Ryu. And he beat one or two other guys in those matches. But when it came down, when, you know, after it took him all that effort to beat the lower level guys, he wasn't going to beat a guy like Doi. And it would have been silly if he did. Doi's a top guy. You know, if he, if he would have won those stacked odds matches or beaten Doi in those matches, it would have made Doi look like a complete impotent fool. And, you know, it, it doesn't make Hulk look any worse losing to Doi after he's been weakened by taking out two other guys, right? No, absolutely not. You know, so everybody wins. It, Yeah, clearly it didn't. <laughs> yeah, because then when he got him one-on-one, he won the match. So it's just, it's, it's, imagine that. You know, it's, he doesn't have to beat four guys at once. You know, it, it, it's crazy. And I, and I wrote about it in the review for, what was the show before Dangerous Gate? It was uh, uh, Scandalgate. Scandalgate. You know, I, I wrote about it in the review to that show. It's like if this were WWE, he would have won the first stack odds match. He would have beat them all. Right. He would have ran right through them. Then there'd be no intrigue to see, you know, what he would do in a one-on-one. Right, yeah, whatever. because why would you want to – yeah, then why do you want to see him face Doi when he beat five guys by himself? Right. So uh, – what, 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 what becomes of Don Fuji now? Because they, they sort of went – when the other guys threw their – because he was just sort of smiling when the other guys threw their shirts well, down. Don Fuji was doing commentary. Yeah, but he was just kind of like – he just had like a befuddled well, look what on happened his face. Was, but... I don't know if you noticed, but one of the shirts hit Fuji in the face. That's, yeah, no, I know. And I was so, like – but he didn't really react like he was pissed. He was just kind of like, oh, okay. No, like, I mean, I, you know, do you know what happened? I don't know. He's like... kind of just there. You know, I mean he's a right, team right. veteran guy, but he's he's not a guy that's ever going to be pushed as a top guy. And he's always kind of in the lowest unit. He just go, rolls with yeah, the punches. Yeah, he's just Don Fuji, you know. he's he's Because at first when they threw the shirt, I thought they were inviting him. I thought they were like throwing a shirt no, to no. him. And then he just kind of sat there, and I was like, oh, all right. Well, I don't think like... that was the, I think it accidentally hit him in the face. I, <laughs> okay. I don't think they were throwing the shirt at him as to say, you know, get the hell out of here or join us or anything like that. I think they just it just he turned around and tossed the shirt and it accidentally hit him in the face. That's where I would love to know what they were saying because he was just talking and I was like, okay, well, is he pissed or happy or what? Like I, I couldn't tell. Like he was, uh, he, he seemed like he was proud of them. I don't he know. He was probably so. just laughing about it more than anything else. But uh, yeah, it's uh, I just got a wow. This is an interesting text message. Oh. Scoops, live scoops, is it? I can't. Uh, 
I have to get confirmation that I can comment on this first. Okay. So maybe All maybe right. later in the show. Wow. Uh oh. Wow. All right. Let me let me let me text this person back. <laughs> this, well, now you better because well, now everyone's. Just, gonna... All right. Look, this is not like world-changing wrestling news, but it's it's a nice little. It it it, it involves Chikara. Let me put it that way. Oh, okay. All right. Um, but that that's as much as I could say right promotion, now. We, we refuse to talk about ever again. Right, right. But there, this will make us talk about it again? Well, there could be something somewhat newsworthy going on right now. I just got an interesting text message from somebody. So, okay. um, um, Anyway, so what, what, I lost my train of thought. Yeah, no. So Dom Fuji, we're yeah, all, we're all... right. he, you know, the team veteran thing might be dead. They might He might just be unitless for a while. He might do something with Yuga Hayashi or something. Who knows? Um, but that, that there's nothing to read into. The shirt just accidentally hit him in the face. But, uh, you know, the other piece of great booking here was, uh, you know, the, the Twin Gate match again where T-Hawk scored uh, another win. They defeated uh, Mochizuki and Dragon Kid to successfully defend the Twin Gate. And it's pretty obvious that uh, I remember somebody sent us a question asking now that the BB Hulk and um, Mad Blanky thing appears to be over, what's the next yeah. money match for Dragon Gate? Well, Here's the thing. I don't think you can really pinpoint one match. I think that Dragon Gate is sort of kind of similar to WWE in the sense where they don't really rely. It's the brand that kind of draws. Sure. And I mentioned that earlier where guys kind of come up and come down and come up and come down where, you know, BB Hulk seemed like he was lost in the shuffle. Now he's the top star. I mean, that happens pretty frequently, which is okay. They cycle them in and out. But I think um, it's not that I'm dodging the question. There's just no obvious singular match that's going to be a huge draw here. But I think what is what is patently obvious is T-Hawk is going to be their next big star. Sure, and I was going to say one of the millennials, would, would and, and obviously probably T-Hawk. It's, it's, is, is... T-Hawk's the one they're positioning as the next big, huge star, and Aita obviously has that potential as well. But just by the way they're booking these Twin Gate matches, T-Hawk is clearly being positioned as uh, as the next guy to enter sort of that pantheon of guys that they rotate in and out of that top spot. And with Shima sort of uh, taking a lesser role these days, one of those top spots is obviously available. So, and T-Hawk is going to be that guy. And, and they had another great, these twin gate matches are the highlight of every show now. Sure. They've been great. I mean, they just, these are just great matches. And, uh, you know, you know, T-Hawk once again, but you know, the, the finish to this match was flat out incredible. Um, he, 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 uh, what Aita did a, uh, a moonsault off the top to the outside of the ring to take out dragon kid. And it isolated it isolated T-Hawk with uh, Mochizuki. And and the finish of this match was one of the better finishes to a match I've seen this year. Um, uh, it's just, you know, you, you know Mochizuki's deal. You know, he's the, the respected veteran um, who, who, who um, is impossible to kill. And then you have T-Hawk, this rising star, and they're isolated in the ring. The other two guys are out of the picture. Nobody's going to interfere. And T-Hawk had the bust out. He actually, he, he, he tried to use uh, the night ride, which is his usual finisher. And uh, he, he couldn't finish him off with the night ride. So he had to bust out the Veracruz, which is his sort of, uh, the when he means business finisher. Mm -hmm. uh, when, right. when, when, the, when the night ride isn't enough. Um, basically, he had me jumping up and down in my living room. I mean, he hit... They, they did a they did a stare down. They did a chop sequence, and then uh, T Hawk hit the night ride, and Moki just popped up. He just no sold it and popped up, and T Hawk grabbed him and hit another one and got the two point nine count. 
And then it's like, holy shit, he's going to have to kill this guy to finish him. And then he picked him up and he used the Veracruz, which is kind of like an ele- electric chair into a power bomb kind of move. Yeah. And then uh, that finally put him away. I mean, he had to kill Mochizuki to put him away, which was great. I mean, he had to kill him dead. I mean, Mochizuki just, he wasn't going to be beat uh, with the Night Ride. And it was a perfect no cell fighting spirit spot when he hit him with the first one because nobody pops up from that. And uh, it, that's just the emotion and, and the passion that you get. That's the stuff that I love in wrestling. Sure. Finishes yep. like that. That's what I love, Rich. I love that emotion and that passion and the fight that Mochizuki showed at the end of that. That's what I love about wrestling. That's what I love. And uh, as you said, you're jumping up and down and you know goddamn well it's, I'm, <laughs> it's wrestling. I'm totally and, 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 immersed in the story. Right. I, I, you're I, an adult who's jumping up and down in wrestling. That's that. Suspended my disbelief. Right. And Mochizuki's such an easy guy to get behind. And, and you know, he, he popped up from that. And I was like, wow, it's fucking on now. And he hit him with another one and he kicked out. And I'm just – it's just – that's when wrestling is great, Rich. That's when it's great. That's what you love about wrestling. And, uh, and, and it was just perfect because the young up-and-coming star put away the respected veteran. And it took yeah. T-Hawk to yet another level. And that's just great booking. It's just, and it's just a great match layout. And it's just great. And it's something you could really sink your teeth into, you know. And, and when it comes to Dragon Gate, you know, you, you can trust that they do these things right. It's so well booked. And uh, this, this promotion has been well booked for a year now. And, uh, you know, I really feel like people are missing out. And, and you know, the, the, the other theme I wanted to touch on on this show was Punch Tamanaga defeating Shima clean in the middle. Yep. Clean in the fucking middle. No bullshit. It was a no DQ match because Punch's gimmick is that he's the king of cheating and he don't follow the rules anyway. And Shima didn't want a DQ here, so they did, the, they did a no DQ match. And, uh, you know, Punch kicked the chair right in the Shima's head and he pinned him center of the ring. Yep. And it doesn't, need, it doesn't hurt Shima one bit because he's a made guy and he's, he's a legend in that promotion. And, you know, um, but it sure helps Punch Tamanaga and gives him some credibility. So why not do it? And they did. And they're creating more stars underneath. They're not doing a piss poor job getting people ready. They're getting your T-Hawks ready. They're moving up your punch Tamanagas. This is great booking, Rich. Oh, yeah. And they've yeah. been doing this for a year with the millennials. And, uh, and now your punch Tamanagas and your Flamitas. And Punch was a guy, again, that they plucked out of nowhere. I mean, we're talking two, three months ago. We, I, If I told you he was going to be Shima clean in the middle of the ring, you'd say I'm an idiot. You, you know what I mean? We're, and, and they just sort of plucked him up and, and have really, in these past few months, built him up, built him up, built him up. And to the point where, again, I, one of my favorite reactions to wrestling is that sort of the, the gasping sort of – because they got that with the Shima gun. It was like the – they knew it was happening, the crowd, and they were just like, oh, wow. You know, that, that's a – you know, they're like you. They're, they, they know it's – fake but still it didn't matter that result was so shocking to them or so different that it was like and you could tell the guy was a made man after that he was ready to go it, it was like and the way he carried himself in that match too i thought was interesting as well he had a, a confidence in him that he knew he could beat him yeah i mean he's doing a great you know there was a point there in the middle of the match where he said you know what no i i, I got you you know i'm done you're, you're done he's doing a great job with that gimmick and um the thing about it it was by no means a great match or anything but, you know, it, it, with that gimmick, it's not – he's going to – we don't know if he can have great matches. But the fact of the matter is, with this gimmick, he doesn't have to. But eventually, at some point down the line, if he's going to move up the card and eventually be a top guy, you know, years down the line here, he's going to have to break away from this gimmick at some point. And, because in this promotion, you're gonna, you have to go in the ring. You can't get away 
with not being able to go in the ring, not in this promotion. So we don't but, – but right now they don't have to worry about that with him. They just have to get him over as this complete lunatic. And beating Shima in the center of the ring is, is, is a good start to that. And you know, and you, and you still have Flamita, another uh, another great match this time with Mr. QQ, Tanizaki Naoki, Toyonaka Dolphin, uh, defending the Brave Gate. That was a great match. That was a four-star range match. Um, you know, you know, Flamita, you know, he's he's money at this point. He, he's 19 years old too, Rich. You know, you're talking about Tekashita before. Flamita's another guy, 19, yeah. 19 years old. Unbelievable. 19 years old. And might be my high flyer of the year. If there's anybody. In the WWE with their finger on the pulse, and I'm sure that there's somebody in that company paying attention to Dragon Gate, okay? If there's anybody with their finger on the pulse, Flamita is their big next Mex- – that, that's their Mexican star. He's 19 years old. He's got the mask. He's got everything they want. He's 19, and he's this good. This guy's incredible. I'd be shocked if he doesn't end up in WWE. So they've been searching for this Mexican star. There it is. There's your Ray replacement right there. So, you know, you know, Dragon Gate's got a lot going for him right now. The, the, the booking has been tremendous. They've been moving people up. And, uh, and, and, and this show, again, was, an, was another step in, in, in both moving guys up underneath yeah, I- and doing a great job with the main event. I was a little disappointed by the loser resurrection survival eight man tag team captain's fall elimination match. I, uh, I, I, the, the concept I was into and they played a video and they yeah, I thought the, the intro video was great. And I thought everybody that was in there w- was solid, but the match itself, I thought it just went too long. I mean, you had, it went at tw- 28 minutes, which I mean, that's kind of, you get that with a lot of dragon Gate matches where that long, but this one just seemed to last about two or three hours. It was just like, after so many pinfalls and so many guys coming back in and back out, it felt like one of those really, really horribly long, like fall brawl, you know, war games matches where it's just like, oh, okay, come on, let, let, let's sort of get to the, the the point here. But I still enjoyed it and I still thought it told a good story. But yeah, that was one match. If I if I had to pick out one thing that I was a little disappointed of, uh, you know, obviously the, the undercard was, was it was just there. There wasn't anything big, but this as kind of a main match that I was really looking forward to sort of disappointed me a little bit, but it was still a good match. I thought it just went way too long. I think it could have been about 10 minutes shorter and, and gotten the same point across. It was, but... it was definitely one of those Dragon Gate uh, gimmick matches that does feel like it goes on forever. Um, I probably liked it a little bit better than you did. Sounds like you didn't like it much at all. Um, definitely not the kind of match for someone who's not a hardcore Dragon Gate fan. Oh, you. God, no, no. <laughs> that, they would they would never watch Dragon Gate again. Because it's every it's every trope that everybody mentions about Dragon Gate kind of lumped into one 30 minute match to me it was the thir- a- to me it was the third or fourth best match in the show yeah sure i think that's fair i think that's totally fair i i had high hopes for it but yeah i i, I don't want to say i didn't like it i just well, let's see. I, 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 li- I mean i like the flamita match better uh against uh Tanitaki. yeah i'd probably put it i'd like to, I, i'd probably put it fourth or fifth the twin gate match was better and the main event was better yeah I, I punch and Shima was was only for the story. I would maybe put it up there a little bit, but it match itself it wasn't a, a, a real good. So I would maybe maybe fourth or fifth. So which isn't bad. I mean that that's you you can live with that. So all right. So I think I have a scoop on your breaking news. Do I? Uh, here is well. I asked what else. I it looks like Chikara is coming to Texas to do some sort of deal with Inspire Pro Wrestling. Uh, Brandon Stroud, ring announcer for Inspire Pro, tweeted out that flag, that Texas flag with the Chikara logo. Yep. I think that's what you're talking about. Yep. Um, I got a text message saying, 10-5-14, wrestling is Inspire. 
That's what that's what the tweet says as well. So, uh, well, I can you can bet your ass I'll be going to that show Uh-oh. because I can't stand Shakara, and I want to see how the hell they're going to integrate this into Southern Texas wrestling. Yeah, and, that... uh, I want to see how this all comes together. It should be interesting. Um, but uh, I, you know, we heard rumblings of this. Uh, I don't know. Did, I don't know if me me and you discussed this, but. Uh, the wheels were put in place to put this together months and months and months ago, probably up to a year ago uh, when Chikara was still on hiatus. They were trying to put together uh, a Chikara show for Austin. And, um, you know, uh, Brandon Stroud has connections within the Chikara uh, hierarchy. And uh, I guess this is uh, they finally were able to put the deal together. So Inspire Pro Wrestling will be doing something. With Chikara, it says wrestling is inspire ten five fourteen is the uh, text message that I have here. So, um, so there you go. I don't know. Um, should be interesting. I'm going to. Uh, that'll be my first Chikara show since King of Trios two thousand nine. I want to say. Yeah, I was gonna say it's been quite a while, and obviously you, you've so. you've <laughs> we decided weeks ago that we were never gonna mention Chikara again, but that might have to. Well, you know, uh, I will I will go to the show October fifth, and we'll see what it's all about. I don't know yeah. if this is, I know nothing else. I know no other details. It's all coming together right now. I don't know if this is a joint show between Chikara and Inspire Pro. I, I let me put it to you this way, this is a good deal for Inspire Pro in the sense that it's gonna get them some attention. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, Chikara obviously has a large following, and 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 if they're going to run a joint show with uh, with with uh, with Inspire, then people are going to learn what Inspire is all about, I guess, through that. I, but I don't know anything else. I don't know if there's Chikara. I don't know if it's wrestling is. I don't know if yeah. How what, what sort I, of alignment Chikara is going to have with it? If it's technically a wrestling is, which they you know. That I don't think they fake it anymore. That they're not running those. Oh, but, Rich, you know. my fingers are crossed for missile assault ants. I was gonna I, say you get the ants, you get the be... Baltic siege. Oh boy, boy, oh boy. Maybe Dragon Dragon will have his head put back on, and and I I can get to see Dragon Dragon. Mm-hmm. I get my and you crossed. you can participate in the thumb war. Get those thumbs ready. Yeah, I can guarantee you, I will be participating in no thumb wars. Uh, okay. But uh, man, my what about charades? You'll put you, you'll do you. you if, if there's one thing Joe Landa loves, it's a good game of charades. <laughs> my fa- rich, my focus is on missile assault ant. I, I need to see <sighs> missile assault ant, rich. And uh, if he can't make the trip, I'm sure some jabroni could just put the costume on, which is probably what they do in here. So, <laughs> so, um, what, are you the Hopefully my you, fingers are – I want that. Would you – are you honestly saying that Chikara would just put a mask on a guy? Hopefully I not only get missile assault ant down here deep in the heart of Texas. You get all the ants. But, man, maybe I'll even get Arctic rescue ant, which, yeah. you know, and, or maybe silver ant. Or, uh, you know, maybe they'll bring back... Uh, What's the space one? What's the space? I, I've already what forgot. The, what was the Pinky Sanchez gimmick years ago? Carpenter Ant? What was he? Uh, I think he was ooh, Carpenter was Ant or Yellow Ant or, or, or... What's Pinky Sanchez up to the these days? Ball of Ant. Hopefully never wrestling again because... <laughs> that, was, that was not your guy. That's why I was curious. He's legit one of the most go-away heat wrestlers I've ever seen in my life. I cannot stand Pinky Sanchez. Um, Carpenter Ant, you're Carpenter right. Carpenter Ant, right? Yeah, so maybe, hey, let's, let's see what he's doing these days. Maybe the return of Carpenter Ant. Maybe... Uh, Maybe we'll get uh, maybe they'll work inspire into it somehow. Maybe we'll get uh, maybe we'll get American Psycho Ant. No, nothing. Mm-hmm. That sounds that's a little no too American risky. American Psycho Ant. It's Kara universe. No, they can't handle it. No. Uh, who knows? But uh, okay, all right, ten five. That's circle it on the calendar, Rich. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting uh, to see the, I, the blending I, of styles. Yeah, that's going to be a... I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I, I, I'll tell you what. If I've never taken a picture with a wrestler in my life, because that's just not my thing, okay? If Missile Assault Ant is on this card... <laughs> just for the irony. <laughs> I will take a picture with Missile Assault Ant, and I will post it on Twitter. Uh, 8x10. Get those glossy 8x10s out. People I, love them. I cannot pass up a chance to take a picture with Missile Assault No, that's. I mean, that's a hero. I mean, come on. You know, and, and maybe maybe Arctic Rescue Ant, too, if he's there. But if you're an Arctic Rescue Ant, I don't know if you want to come down to Texas where it's 100 degrees, right? That's Yeah, well, there you go. That's going to be the gimmick. He's going to melt. Little, little, little. Even in October? How, how hot is it in October there? Uh, it'll still be hot in October. You're still, you okay. know, it'll still be 90, 95 during the day. You know, so, uh, you know, actually. There's, there's the gimmick. That's awesome. That's a match right there. It's 10-5 a Sunday. I bet you that's a Sunday because in Austin they run on Sundays. Let's see. Uh, I can find a 10 5 is, in fact, a Sunday. Okay. That's going to interfere with my NFL. I don't, I don't know. But if Missile Assault Ant is there, I'm going to have to find a way to get down there, Rich. I was going to say, yeah. Well, he, he'll be there, Joe. Don't. I would. Well, you know, not. the Rams will be 0 6 by then. And yeah, they, who, yeah. Really? You're going to pass it up for the Rams? It's not really going to matter. The Sean Hill. For the Sean Hill experience? Yeah, okay. No, so, uh, you know. I, Kurt Warner 2.0. So. so, yeah, there you go. Chikara Wrestling is Inspire. Yes, very Whatever that very means. So, maybe more will break after. We're done. You'll have one happy ring announcer. That's all I can guarantee. Yeah, so. well, yeah we will definitely have a happy ring announcer. Um, uh, we know Icarus will be there. Um, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully he'll fly into the sun. Icarus didn't come to Chicago, though. During the show. Oh, he'll be, he wasn't oh, the... he'll be on this show. Oh, oh yeah. He's going to yeah. be on this show. Um, and hopefully he'll just fly away, never to be seen again. You took a picture with He'll him. Put on his wings, and I got nothing against the guy. I just, you know, I it's like it's like I have nothing against like Kane. I just don't want to see Kane ever wrestle. <laughs> I don't have anything against Abyss. I just don't ever want to see Abyss wrestle again. I I have nothing against it. You do have something against Pinky Sanchez, I just, though. I'm not really. He's just terrible. It's <laughs> just the worst thing I've ever seen. Hopefully, whatever life. he's doing. I just hate Outside him so wrestling, much. wrestling, I hope he's very successful. He, I hear he's a great guy. I just don't want to see the guy wrestle. It's like Icarus. I never want to see Icarus wrestle ever again. But I have a feeling on 10-5, I'm going to be graced with his presence. So I'm looking forward. Maybe it'll be Icarus versus Missile Assault Ant. There you go. 60-minute Iron Man, man. Well, I can prompt. Refereed, I refereed by uh, the uh, – the, uh, the uh, Thunder Frog. Yeah, the, the Estonian, Estonian Thunder Frog. Yeah, he'll be the guest referee for the 60 minute Iron Man. Absolutely. Match. I can tell you that the Latvian Proud Oak will be on that card for sure. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> 100%. I mean, that's that's an Inspire regular right there. So, yeah. um, you know, Robert Evans will be there for sure. Uh, and, what? Oh, that one's that one's no big secret, Rich. I'm not breaking any case right there. I mean, you can. You, what? You can, see, you can see the guy's face underneath. So is he, he must be the handsome stranger then, too, right? I, some may say, yes, that one. Uh, I mean, you, you've revealed masked men. You've attempted to reveal masked men on this show before well, the, and gotten the, us in trouble, but everyone knows that one, so that's okay. Yeah, no, that one's not. Uh, you yeah. know, it's – it's. so I, listen, I can tell you one thing. When the Inspire guys come on for their monthly spot, that will be one interesting preview show that, that we do that day. Uh, yeah, <laughs> before, I'm into that one. Because, uh, you know, I, 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 there's no sugarcoating it. Uh, Joe Lanz is not the biggest uh, Chikara uh, fan around, so uh, – we're going to put the screws to those guys when they come on and uh, make them answer the tough questions. But, uh, yeah, there you go. 10-5. What were we talking about? We were done with Dragon Gate. We were talking about Dragon Gate, but I think we think wrapped we're up with, with that. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have one thing real quick before we get into your questions. we got a lot of, a lot of good questions here that we'll answer. Um, the Monday Night Wars have rein, rein, <laughs> reinvigorated by our good friends PWS, who released a new web series, Monday Night Mayhem. They asked for coverage. 
They asked for cut rates. They got it, You watched the Monday Night Mayhem show. And here's the thing. You were all prepared. You were prepared to hate this fucking thing. I was. I, I wrote a one like kind of sarcastic tweet because initially the production value is not very good and the lighting is kind of crappy and the audio is kind of crappy, but I'll be damned. Now, I'll tell you, Rich, I didn't watch the show. You did. The floor is yours. Tell us all, all right. about PWS Monday Night Mayhem, the debut. Yes, so uh, this is obviously a web series that they just released. It's a this this first episode. And I don't know if this is gonna be the format going forward, but this was sort of a collection of two matches uh, that have happened previously. Uh, some years, I mean, the 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 one of the matches, Jerry Lynn Landstorm, was months, 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 months ago. I think it might have even been a year ago. Uh, and then they had the Reynolds brothers versus the, the Lone Rangers in a ladder match that was at one of their SuperCard um, shows. But overall, this show was awesome. It was really good, and what was really good for. A particular reason it was in ring, which I was shocked. You know, given what 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 PD, uh, PWS usually gives you, it was a good in ring show. I mean, the first match, the the Lone Rangers and the Reynolds brothers, was a ladder match. It was um, I just I, I kind of described it as your, your sort of typical spotty ladder match. There was a lot of the same you know sort of things you're going to get in what what is what I would consider sort of an indie ladder match. You know, guys you know, getting to the top, getting knocked off. You know, you had Pat Buck taking a backdrop through a ladder. This sort of stuff that's kind of always happens. I felt like, did you ever watch those WCW ladder matches in like the Young Dragons and Three Count? And, of course, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those. It felt like one of those where it was like, there wasn't like that same sort of, it didn't have the the big feel that those WWE ladder matches had or those three ways, the Dudleys, the Hardys, and the Edge and Christian. It was just sort of, okay, we have a bunch of ladders in the ring. What are some cool shit that we can do with ladders? Which is fine. Sometimes I like that. Dave Meltzer obviously probably gave this one four and a half stars, but <laughs> I enjoyed it though. I thought it was really good. Uh, yeah, the Reynolds brothers win the the, the tag team titles. Oh wait, I hold it was on. Good. The Reynolds, Alex Reynolds, and uh, what's his yes. brother's name? Yeah. I forget the other one. Um, Alex Reynolds has done a bunch of evolved shots and whatnot, but the other Reynolds brother, I can never remember his name. I'll, yeah, what, what I'll are their names? I, I'll, I'll have the producer look that up while you're talking. Yeah, 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 sure. But it was the Reynolds brothers. I don't know. Now, who are the, um, now, who are the Lone Rangers? I'm Reynolds. not familiar with the. Uh, the Lone Rangers are – it was Pet Buck, and then who the hell was the other guy? Obviously – sorry. So it, it's Kyle Reynolds, right? It's uh, – Yeah, it, or uh, Kyle. Yeah, Al- Kyle Alex Reynolds. and Kyle Reynolds. They're... It's John Silver. John Silver oh, and John Pat John Silver. Buck. Okay, so yep. so it's John Silver and Pat Buck are the Lone Rangers. Yeah, okay. and they, they did a good job too. Buck took a lot of bumps that he probably well, like – Buck- oh, Well, listen. Pat Buck yeah. is a solid pro wrestler. No, he was good. And, he know, was really. He's been in WWE developmental years ago, and and he he's a guy, you know, and he's a wrestling trainer. He's a solid pro wrestler. And John Silver is a very good pro wrestler. Mm-hmm. I never heard of them referred to as the Lone Rangers, so I just yes, thought yeah. this was some indie geek team. But you know, Buck and Buck and Silver aren't bad, and the and the Reynolds brothers obviously are are, are you know East Coast New York area guys who get around as well. So it, it sounds like it may have been pretty. I'm gonna watch it later. No, but. it's definitely good. It was about I, I think it was about 20 minutes long, and that, and that's the thing with this. Both these matches were were around 20 minutes long. It's an hour web show, but it's two matches and then a promo video. So it's actually it was pretty cool how it went. The promo was for their champion. Um, oh, what's up? I'm blanking on the name now. Damn it! It's like a Russian dude. I, oh, I put Mario really, Bakora. Yes, yeah. It was actually a really good hype video. Like production value, good. Uh, everything. It was. It was spectacular. It was really good. <laughs> like I, I, I'm, I'm shocked. I'm saying all that. I, I'm not lying. Mario Bakura. Uh, uh, Bakura. That's he, it. Yes, he, yeah. he squashed Takaake Watanabe in PWS, and Takaake Watanabe has ne- not been seen since. So Bakura is a guy that they put over very strong. And, uh, and this is like a training hype video. It was him sort of. It was it was like kind of odd camera shots. They're playing weird Russian music in the background. He's he's sparring with somebody and lifting weights and, and talking about how he's destroying people. And he's, you know, the old thing where, where, you know, sometimes they would do that. Like Tatanka would wrestle, you know, in these old like WWE promo videos where they would just have him wrestling in like some random gymnasium that's empty against some random dude. 
Sure. You know, when they'll do those where it's just like he's just practicing moves on a guy. Yeah. And that's what this was. It was just a complete destruction of whoever this, you know, random job dude was or whatever they're doing. But it was a really good video. And, and he just sort of said, you know, this is why I'm so dominant because I train so hard. You know, that's why I beat everybody because I do this. And the one thing I'll say, too, is it's very similar to Rusev. Yeah, exactly. But, yes. but he came before Rusev. Mm-hmm. I will defend PWS here because they are the kind of company, as we know, who will borrow a gimmick from time to time. <laughs> but they did. He's been doing this gimmick. This Mario Bakura sure. gimmick goes goes back. So anyone who you know watches the show and thinks they're just doing a cheap rip off of uh, of Rusev, that's not the case. That actually predates Rusev. So I just wanted to throw that in there in case uh, people were confused. But uh, so yeah, I haven't watched it. Um, you know, you watched it with 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 an open mind, and you enjoyed it. You enjoyed the show. I did. Yeah. The- the Jerry Lynn Lance Storm match was, was kind of the, the, the pseudo main event for this one. As I mentioned, this are, these are two matches that did not happen on the same show. So you have two kind of different lighting patterns and two mic patterns and this sort of stuff. So it's a, the technical, you know, tech-wise, it's it's not quite there. It's not a big show. But as a showcase of, hey, here's kind of what we do or here's some good matches that we have, it was great. Because Jerry Lynn Lance Storm, this is one of Jerry Lynn's kind of retirement during his retirement tours. It's about what you would expect from a 2014 Landstorm Jerry Lynn match. I mean, they they sort of exchange holds at the beginning. You know, you get the the the, the claps during you know different hold patterns, and the you still got a chance for Jerry Lynn and that sort of stuff. Um, what I thought was pretty interesting in this though is Landstorm initially started the match being a, a face because he's Landstorm. He's this you know you know big star that's coming to, to to PWS or whatever. And then quickly he sort of goes into a heel role. He starts kind of doing some cheap shots. He starts getting slowing down the match. You know, saying, "Oh, you guys love ECW so much. Well, you know here." Let me do what we used to do in ECW. And he would do, he would do these sort of backhanded moves. He was slapping Jerry Lynn, doing these sort of stuff to the point where people were booing the hell out of him. At the end of the match, he was the, the, the full-fledged heel, and they were waiting for Jerry Lynn to sort of make his big comeback and win, you know, in his retirement tour. And I thought that was a nice touch. I thought it was really good. Something they didn't have to do. They could have just done their spots and, and, and just done that. But Lance Storm sort of fits into that heel role, did it really well. Uh, Jerry Lynn won, obviously, with a, with a cradle pile driver for his kind of send-off. But I thought it was great. I thought it was a really good match. This one went about 30 minutes or so, a little bit more than, than the first. But that was it. You got basically 15, 50 minutes of what I thought was pretty good wrestling, you know, a 10-minute, five-minute promo at the end, and then you're done. And that was now, it. It was an hour compact show. Done. Now, if I'm not mistaken, the Jerry Lynn-Lance Storm match was billed as a classic vault match or something of that. Yes, yeah, was, they called it their. They, they went to the PWS vault for this right. one. So, so. what you so it looks like what you're gonna get. You're gonna get one like you know classic match from their quote unquote vault. You're gonna get because the latter match was from their last show in June. So that sure that was sure. the last show they had. So that was as current as you're gonna get because they've gone dark all winter. They're not. I, I'm sorry, all summer. They're not having another show until September 20th. So uh, June was the last show. So that latter match was from June. But they're going to give you one classic match, and then they're going to give you, I assume, promos. They gave you the uh, Mario Bakura promo to put him over, and I assume they filled out the rest of the time with promos for the upcoming card in September. Um, they did a little bit, not not as much as I thought they were going to do. A lot of it was just sort of uh, mindless kind of talking between the two commentators in between matches. They did not put up the September one all that okay, much. Who, they sort of mentioned did, it in who, passing. Does Sam Roberts do the commentary? Uh, no, it was uh, crap. I got. Let me find their names out. Okay, because I know six. It was, it was Destruction. Was it Dan okay, Destruction? Dave or Destruction, Dave, right. Dave Destruction. Who was the other guy? Uh, not Sam Roberts. Sam Roberts does a lot of things with these guys. It was not Sam Roberts, no. Um, okay. Uh, but anyway, yeah, the, the Lynn Lance Storm match was actually, I believe that was from last... Um, June or August? I, I, it wasn't Yeah, it was, it was definitely, yeah. I don't know if... That was the um, Jerry Lynn... Um, uh, I think it was uh, February of last year because didn't Lance there were, Oh, was it February? Okay. Oh no, maybe it was. Lance yeah. Storm had a lot of travel issues getting there, and he almost didn't make the match, if I recall, because of uh, the bad storms. 
But uh, yeah, so. And that was one of the last shows they had in Metuchen because they can't run Metuchen anymore. Uh, David Adams. David Adams and Dave Destruction. Okay, okay. Are your two guys. See, I thought maybe they got Sam Roberts to do it, but uh, apparently not. So anyway, so let me ask you this. Um, It's no secret. I mean, they've said it on their own podcast. They invited Spike TV to their next show in September, PWS. Uh, This show is nowhere near uh, Spike TV quality, correct? Oh, absolutely not. Okay. No, they would, no. They would, from from a, from a yeah, the audio is piped through. It, it seems like it was half pre-taped, half audio that was in the match, or some some weird way that they did it. Because at some points you can hear the audio sort of echoing through the arena, and then other times you can hear it very cleanly. So I don't know if they just didn't know how to record audio properly or whatever. But the lighting is like the first match is very dark, like real dark. The second match is less dark, but it's it, it's shot. Which from which was the of, which was the first match and which was the second? Uh, the latter match was the first one. Sorry, the, the latter match is super so dark. The more, and then, so the more current match is really oh that's interesting yes yeah but but, but one thing that i did notice um let me try to fire it up here real quick because it was mentioned in the comments of the actual video that they said they're going to bring a professional light crew in for the next show this september or show. well i can yeah, tell you why up. they're doing that because they invited spike i you know yes. i doubt spike is going to come but they invited spike to their show and they've also been talking to msg network from what i'm told so we might get another email from uh, from Mr. Buck if, if certain people hear this and pass it along. But um, I've been told that they've been talking to MSG Network as well. So, uh, you know, it would be... Yeah, this is the next show here in Rahway, I believe, will have professional lighting. So they're going to try to light that a little bit better. Yeah, for I mean, show. they're trying to get on TV. And they've yeah. made no secret about it. And we know of at least two networks where there's at least some rumblings between Spike and, and, and MSG. And I don't think it's any accident that they're, they're doing this show on Monday nights now. And uh, PWS is trying to make a move here. Um, it's going to be interesting times because a lot of promotions are going to start making a move. Uh, once TNA finally gets booted off of Spike for good, that's not an issue of, of, uh, of if at this point. That's just an issue of when. Um, and you know, people are going to angle for that spot, you know, whether it's those guys, whether Tommy dreamer makes a move, whether, uh, you know, who knows, you know, whether Jarrett is waiting or biding his time or however his non-compete works, uh, you know, maybe that's why, you know, he's, he's holding off on making any sorts of announcements. Who knows? I mean, people are going to angle for that spike spot. So, uh, we'll see. And if, if TNA ends up on velocity or whatever it's called, (laughs) Do you have any idea? I don't know if I get that. Let me tell you something, Rich. Let me see if I I've do while, to, while you're talking. I, I got my remote right yeah, here. Yeah, I've got DirecTV, and I'm the kind of guy who I don't have – listen, when I call to set up my television service, I tell them, just give me every fucking channel and charge me whatever you want because I am a television fanatic, and I watch a ton of TV, and I have every channel that DirecTV offers, and I've never heard of this velocity. Yeah, I don't I've know if it is on. Yeah, so DirecTV doesn't care. Uh, ooh, okay. Uh, so far, the search not doing well for me. Uh, velocity. Yeah, I, so the bottom line here is, is <laughs> no, I, the talk is they're going to have to cut their budget. It's going to be a quarter of the, their current budget with Spike is the number that's being tossed around. What kind of roster are they going to have with a quarter of the budget? I was going to say, this is the roster now. What's their, <laughs> what's their show going to look like with a quarter? Well, I mean, at that point, at that point, TNA is nothing but an indie. Would you agree with that? Sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, essentially, they're not much bigger than Indy as it stands. I mean, look at what they draw on the road. Yeah, and then what they I pay. Mean, <laughs> but I mean, it's it's they're nothing more than an Indy at that point. And whoever you know, if someone else gets on Spike, you know, that they immediately with 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 what? It, how many more households are on Spike? I saw the number, but I don't remember it. Uh, Spike has something like, uh, was it twice as many households as Velocity? 
I gotta imagine it's. I gotta imagine it's more than that. Cause wasn't it two to one? It might be two to one. I don't know. I, I have. I, I'm like you. I have the the highest TV package as well. And I and I you don't have it either. I, I do and not have lost. And and I've heard that Comcast has it. I, I haven't heard the Directv. I have heard that Comcast. So you're has in Chicago. It. So you have Comcast. That's a pretty big cable provider. Yeah, and I, I, I don't have Directv, it. and I don't have it. Maybe it's on the sports. Um, I don't have the extra sports package, so maybe it's on that. Is it the sports channel? Let me let me take. It's 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 it's. They have like races on there and stuff, uh, like drag races maybe, and different. Maybe I do have it because that's not a channel I would be uh, ever stopping on the watch. Yeah. I mean, I got to my pay-per-view channels, and I hadn't seen it yet, so let me... Uh... This is riveting radio, by the way. Yeah, I know. This is as great. We oh, cycle, as we nope, cycle nope, through nope. our uh, DirecTV channels. Um, <laughs> Looking for any Vs, any Vs, any Vs. Anything with a V, yeah. I've got every Fox Sports affiliate under the sun. Um, <laughs> you know, if you want Fox Sports Minnesota, you know, I'm your man. You got it. Yeah, come to the, come to the Casa de Lanza. You've got your uh, U.S. Open mix channels here. Um... I don't know, man. I'm getting into the porn channel. Yeah, I'm, now, I'm at 700. I, yeah. I got nothing. Yet. I'm into the porn and the digital radio, and I still don't see anything. <laughs> That's where I'm at. Velocity. Yeah, I'm at MC R&B Classics, and I don't have it yet. So. Uh, yeah. When you get to Music Choice, it's pretty well over. So. Now I'm into the on-demand channel. Yeah, there's nothing here. I don't have whatever it is. I don't have it. Um. So, well, that's good. So it's not on Comcast. It's not on Directv. Uh, you know, so if it's not on Dish Network or or you know, then then nobody has the fucking thing because you know what else you know, maybe Time Warner has it. I I don't know. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's not it's not looking good for TNA and these promotions know it. So, but what you're saying is PWS has a lot of work to do in terms of production. Yes, yeah. If they're going to uh, now, um, with what they currently have, with what you've seen. Could they send a tape to that to the MSG network to put on at two in the morning like ECW used to do? Sure, I think so. Would that be? I think with the, with the understanding that hey, we we did this. I think it's going to take that next show with, with with better lighting because this is pretty jarring because there are the two. The other problem too is the, the studio. What they have is basically like a table with like a piece of paper and these dudes standing in front of like a gym wall. It's not good, and, it, and it's clearly recorded on the mic of the camera and not, like, separate microphones. Right, 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 right. So that'd be like, you know, us doing our podcast using the microphones on the top of the laptops or whatever. That that would not probably – Sure. It, it sounds like – so, no, I, I wouldn't send this to them, but this gives them a good template for what to do for the future. I mean, the, the on-screen graphics were pretty terrible, too. It, it It's going to be a little bit more before they can send this right, to a real me, TV. Let me ask you this. What is – what looks more professional – this PWS Monday Night Mayhem or ECW Hardcore TV from 1996? ECW Hardcore TV from 1996. So it's not even at 1996? No. No, no. no, no. It's – no. So they got a ways to go. They, they do, yeah. This, this is what you would get from any other random indie out there for the most part. Not, not you know, ones that just want to put a little web series up there for, you know, the 600 people or whatever. You know, it, it, it was that. Are the, are, I mean, are the matches shot in HD? They're not, no. All right, they got a ways to go. Yeah, it, it's it's th- there's potential here. There's definitely the, I think they have the formatting down. I think they have the way to do it. But yeah, they need to to the next time because I feel like this one. And obviously, you look at the Landstorm one. They didn't film that match with the idea that hey, we're gonna send this match right, as right. a part of a compilation to the MSG network to get on. The, you know, th- that's not at all what their intention was. So it's shot like prepared for DVD style stuff. It, to me, it felt very similar to the early Ring of Honor shows. You know those? Oh, okay, yeah, sure. The DVDs. Yeah. Were, yeah, and which we're okay for the time, and they were fine for if you're sitting, you're a nerd that's just going to sit and watch Ring of Honor. But yeah, I would not. You're not going to send those Ring of Honor tapes to to a TV station and have them pick them up. 
or current Ring of Honor that I would really bring to a TV station either. But you know. so we'll see. We'll see what they do moving forward. Now the thing is, they don't have a show until September, and they're running these these things every Monday night. And their last show was in June. So what I'm wondering is, what else are we going to get? What else are they going to yeah. give us moving forward? Um, so let's let me take a look at that June. And there's show. an issue too with, with with using the guys as well, correct? Because this one, if you, one of the telling things of this was that it wasn't the thing that we laugh about is the recently fired. You know, WWE guys, you know, the Mason Ryan. Oh, there's the, no the, question. If, if, if PWS is going to move forward and get on television, they're going to have to change a lot of the things they do. Yeah, Because right. they use a lot of guys. They use a lot of guys under copyrighted names. And WWE has recently put the kibosh on that. They sent them an email and they had to change all those names uh, for their for their last show in June. But they also use a lot of like Starman. You can't put. I mean, that's an. I assume that's some sort of copyright with either Nintendo or, you know. And they also use. Uh, King, you know, they have a character called King Hippo, which is from the Mike Tyson's Punch Out game, and, um, you know, so they do do a lot of things that they have to change. But those are minor things. I mean, yeah, there's the former WWE guys that are under non competes. They're gonna have to wait, you know, the 90 days to use those guys now instead of immediately putting them on shows, because you know, as long as you're not doing an iPay-per-view or a DVD, you know, the the rules change. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, there are some things that they're going to have to change uh, as far as their – or here's the thing. They can still use a lot of those guys on their live shows to draw the gate, but you can't put those guys on TV. You know, so there's ways to get around that as well. Um, You know, same thing, like they can't use the TNA talent that they use sometimes, the Ring of Honor talent that they use sometimes. Once they get on TV, the game changes. And, you know, these guys are under contract to other organizations. You can't put them on your TV. So, yeah, there there are some things from that from that point of view that they'll have to change. Now, I'm looking at this June show, which presumably they're going to pull these matches from TV. Yeah. And uh, the latter match, of course, they've already aired with the Reynolds brothers defeating uh, – it, it's actually Jay Silva and Pat Buck. It's not John Silva. Oh, Jay Silva. Oh, OK. Yeah. Uh, now I'm looking at the card. Dan Moff took on Starman. You had the uh, PWS Tri-State six-way match with Habib from the car wash. Matt McIntosh, who I know for a fact Jeff Jarrett was looking at, or, was one of the guys that Jeff Jarrett came away impressed with. Uh, Facade, Shinron, Sanjay Dutt, and a drunken swashbuckler. Mario Bakura versus Bonesaw. Again, there you go. Bonesaw. I mean, they they took that from Spider-Man. That's the Spider-Man character. Yeah, Bonesaw McGraw. Okay, that's, yeah, that's that's uh, formerly Mike Dennis, you know, an independent wrestler from New Jersey, and they gave him the Bonesaw. You're not going to be able to use that on TV unless you, you know, 